1: After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN,
2: presented by Dobb's Tire and Auto Centers. <sighs>
3: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. I know what you're thinking. Kerry Davis, if you're on the YouTube right now, go to YouTube.com and go to 101 ESPN STL. Kerry's got a quizzical look on his face. Brooke Grimsley is here. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, 7 o'clock time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And Kerry, you're wondering why we would be playing that particular song on this particular morning. In which the Cardinals have reached, as Brooke mentioned to me, 20 games under 500 for the first time since 1995. But here's what I'm looking at Okay. Consistency Okay. <laughs> you, guys, you, guys, you guys recall <laughs> w- w- One of the great <laughs> stats in baseball history Is that Stan the man, Cardinal icon Greatest Cardinal of them all Had 3,630 hits 1,865 at home 1,865 on the road Your mm-hmm. St. Louis Cardinals 28 and 38 at home 28 and 38 on the road They are, if nothing else Consistent yeah. after a loss last How time. about Thank that? You, um,
4: <laughs> there you go. How Thank about you. that? I, I, aren't I you supposed to be no. better at home in front yeah, of your fans? Typically, I like typically though.
5: Uh, typically, but I, I like the consistency. I don't. I don't like it. No. I no. Don't like it.
3: no. Uh, Fifty-six and seventy-six is the overall record. If you aren't good at the math, like me, uh, which is uh, probably you know probably something that could be improved <laughs> um, upon yeah, a right. tad you think a tad, yeah 4-1 loss last night great pitching performance by the way by that was, our guy adam yeah he allowed one run on eight hits he struck out uh, one and walked three but uh you get a quality start out of adam and then with this offense you figure okay we're good to go but the offense did not do much again one run on four hits the the highlights in this game unfortunately Came from the San Diego Padres, who provided the opposition last night. And one of the great things to see is the BFIWB, the uh, the best fans of winning baseball, uh, who showed up because they adore the future red jacket wearer, the future Cardinal Hall of Famer Matt Carpenter. Two great former teammates, Lockhorns tonight, and let's hear the applause. 3 years ago.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: no. <laughs> not whatsoever.
3: But congratulations to Cardinal fans
4: yes. by the way
5: for treating him well. Well, I said this off air. I was a little disappointed. And I and and not in the fans. Well, I'm disappointed in the Cardinals because they need to win more. They needed to win more to have more fans there mm-hmm. to give Matt Carpenter a greater round of applause. I agree. It just wasn't very loud. I mean, it, it sounds loud on the, on the radio, but when you're watching it on TV, you can tell it just wasn't a packed house. No. And so that's because they are how many games under 500?
4: Uh, they are 20 games under 500 for the first time since 1995, CD and Randy. I
5: don't even remember that year. I, I think. do. Do you want to forget do. about it? I, yeah. I, 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 I mean, La Russa came the next year. Yeah, 96? that's why. <laughs> <laughs>
6: that's why. <laughs> I don't
4: remember that year. 90, okay. 1995, um, a year to forget. So what, yeah. what was going on in 1995, huh? Right. Just, so going, we just were, for those.
3: We, we were coming off a strike season, all right? The, the mm. strike of 94. The season started late. It was only 144 games. That was the last year of the anheuser Bush ownership. Gussie Bush died in 1989. August Bush the third took over. Didn't like baseball. No damn baseball player is going to get paid more than I am. So it was a, a young team that bailed on, uh, the, the organization bailed on the fans and said, we're going to, tell me if you've heard this one before, we're going to go out and get a hitter and Bobby Boney is out there and then they say, <laughs> yeah, we really are we can't afford a hitter. So uh, they, they go into 95 and it was just dismal. It was a bad year. Uh, Tory got fired. Oh, here's, uh, Torrey gets fired on June 15th. Okay. The Cardinals are, this is really bad. <laughs> So the Cardinals are going to trade Todd Zeal to the Cubs for Mike Morgan, and they, as an organization not naming any names, decide, you know what, why should we have two press conferences when we're going to fire Joe Torre anyway, why don't we just have one press conference? So with the knowledge that the Cardinals are going to trade Todd Zeal, Joe Torre goes up to Walt Jockety's office to hash it out and talk about who's going to be on the roster the next day. The cardinal manager's office is down in the bowels of the stadium downstairs. General manager's office is upstairs. Joe Torre, this is the night of June 14th, 1995, goes back downstairs because he's left his briefcase in his office and they're cleaning out his office.
4: Oh my gosh. Are you serious? That's how he
3: found out he was getting fired.
4: And then, so what? Do they just keep cleaning? They're like, ah, it's "Sorry, it's, yeah. bud."
3: Sorry, Joe. Yeah, I mean, everybody loves Joe Torre. The, every, everybody <laughs> loves Joe Torre, and the yeah, the equipment guys were beside themselves.
5: So, and here's the, oh, that's man. awful. Yeah, really, really bad. Really bad. <laughs> You try and, to be professional in situations like that, yeah. I, I don't know if I can keep my professional hat on. Walt
3: had no idea that this was happening. So Walt, the next morning, has to go over to Joe's house and explain to him what happened that he had no idea. And this is one of the great things about Joe Torrey. And one of the reasons that I, I will always love him, even if he didn't do this. But he gets fired in the morning. He rents Mike Shannon's restaurant out and invites all the media for lunch to wow. thank us for being so good to him.
4: That's, that nice. that's nice. First
3: class, just first class. And then he goes, he, he and uh, his wife had a pizza place on the hill that they loved where you brought a bottle of wine in. They didn't have a liquor license. So he shows up the night he gets fired, Cardinals are playing, and he's having pizza with his wife. And, oh. uh, and people are saying, what are you doing here? He said, well, I got to eat.
4: <laughs> Actually, you know, taking in a game, not from a manager's standpoint yeah. for once, I don't—I would go all out. I'd be all over the place yeah. in this town.
5: Yeah, how about that? What a way to get fired. <laughs> that is, I, I, Randy? I, you, I'm how about you. that? How about that? <laughs> that. What, what are y'all doing in here? Yeah, leave. Yeah. Now, yeah. I don't yeah. care what your rules are, what your instructions were. Get out. And yeah. he the professional but he wasn't, hat. But it, it just yeah. says, set it's, that to the side. Yeah. Right, right.
3: But Joe is such a good guy. He would never do that. He's just no. too good of a human being. Oh, and by the way, if the Cardinals would have gotten the players that they got for Tony La Russa the next year in 1996 for Joe Torrey, he would have won. They, they would have gone to the World Series, and I don't know if they would have won. But the Yankees would not have had Joe Torrey as their manager. I think there's a pretty strong likelihood that the Cardinals, with that group of players, would have won under Joe Torrey. Mm.
4: I can see then. I, I, not to get too sidetracked, but being here for the Mike Matheny firing and then the Mike Schilt firing, both of those experiences were very strange because <laughs> Mike Matheny, all that turmoil leading up to it, and then it just happened. And then with Mike Schilt, though, that was the most shocking thing. And then to get that Zoom invite. You know, invited by Mike Schilt to, I guess, his like post firing Uh thing. It was so emotional, and it was via Zoom of all things. So it was, it was just one of the strangest things.
3: Well, fortunately, we don't have to worry about having that situation occur in twenty twenty three. That's no. not going to happen. I don't think it's going to no. happen. I don't, I, don't, I don't think Skip's going to happen. It doesn't seem more. like it. So, the other thing that happened last <laughs> night, by the way, uh, scoreless game into the sixth, and the Padres, as we know, are pretty good. Fernando Tatis Jr., Cardinals know him. Well, they scouted him 18 times if it didn't sign him. Uh, so he, he gets a, a leadoff hit. Xander Bogarts with, an RB, uh, with a hit to send Tatis to second, and then Cooper fly it out to bring Marp to the plate. Broken bat, fly ball to right. That's going to get down for the first hit of the game. First run of the game on his way to third. In the throw, caught and tagged. What a
0: play! Walker
3: throws out Bogarts, but Tati scores. Carpenter with his second hit gives San Diego a one nothing lead. Jordan Walker taking a lot of heat because he's only played like 160 games in the outfield in his entire life. He's going to be a great outfielder. He's
5: getting better. Yep, That's the second person he's thrown out in the last couple of weeks. He's getting better Mm -hmm. as a right fielder. You can see all of the, the athleticism and the arm strength. That was a heck of a throw, heck of a play. I can't Mm -hmm.
3: imagine judging somebody who's done anything for less than a year at the age of 21. It really is difficult for me to comprehend why somebody would make that judgment so quickly. When I was a 21-year-old broadcaster, I had no chance. So I can completely empathize with what Jordan Walker is going through trying to learn defense in front of 30,000 people a night. Maybe 20, maybe 15, whatever. Maybe, maybe,
6: Yeah. (laughs) It it felt very
4: sparse in a lot of ways. Intimate, Brooke. Oh, it was intimate. It was was an intimate intimate setting. That is the perfect way to to say that. Let's go to an intimate evening over at Bush Stadium. It's like Bruce
3: Bruce Springsteen coming in to play the factory over Uh in (laughs) in Chesterfield or something
4: like that. Very (laughs) intimate affair.
3: It is. So, uh, (laughs) 4-1 was the final And Adam Wainwright. He had to face Matt Carpenter. I faced him last year too Mm -hmm. when he was with the Yankees. Um, my main focus, other than getting him out, was not he's not hitting a home run off me. (laughs) It's not I'm not that's not gonna be on my conscience the rest of my life. So um, there was there was a couple of times where, you know, the right pitch might have been a the ride back sinker on the inside half, but I knew he knew
7: me. And I thought if he's cheating to anything, it'll be that just to just to throw
8: one over the fence and have that on me for the rest of my life. And I'm not I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. Nothing? <laughs> no,
4: no, and what a great outing it was for Adam Wainwright, though. I, I hope that all those people who have been so cynical were able to at least find some way to let their dark heart grow a little bit in seeing that. Like the Grinch? yeah, yeah like let the, it out. Yes, just let it out. Because who wouldn't want to see him be able to do that? Now it was frustrating to you know just see the lack of run support. That is what is frustrating, especially in the fourth oh. inning, bases loaded. That, they have to be kicking themselves for that.
5: I don't know what you, I don't know what more you need, what more you can ask for in those in those moments. You, you as you say, bases loaded, um, and just not getting a runner across. No. It's, it's.
4: And we've been talking about how do you even troubling. explain that?
5: I don't know because we didn't expect that from this lineup at all. No. We expected, we, we talked about eight runs a game. Yeah. Like we really I felt. I thought they'd be better. I did too. Yeah. I think mean, six would have been. Sufficient. I could have taken that. Yeah.
3: Per John Denton, Adam Wainwright has gotten zero runs of support in seven of his 18 starts of this season. He's gotten one run or less in 10 of 18 starts, so not much support from the teammates. Cardinals with four hits, uh, two of three from Goldie, two of four from Walker, and that's the strikeouts. 12, str- Twelve strikeouts for the night for the Cardinals. Blake Snell's pretty good. Eight left on Dace and O of six with runners in scoring position. So the offense uh-huh. is kind of ram. Esk circa 2014, 2015
4: fifteen. It's oh bad. Oh, oh with yeah. that's, that's bad. That's bad. That is uh, <laughs> pretty bad. Being mm-hmm. outscored twenty six to four in your last four games, and I know who they've been facing, right? You had Again, Zach Ram-esque. Wheeler. Yeah, yes. <laughs> That's so bad. Aaron Nola and then Blake Snell. I, I get it, but at the same time, I don't understand this offense right now because you didn't trade away any hitters. And I know that there's been injuries that you've been battling with Brent, Brendan Donovan and Lars Newbar, But, C.D., you went down the list yesterday. I I, think, I mean, it's these aren't super young guys. no, And these are guys that you are going to use next season. Why are they not able to come up in big moments?
3: Listen to the lineup edmund o'neill goldschmidt all established major mm-hmm. leaguers right arenado might be dealing with a bad back i don't know how long he's had yeah, about long. a week back <laughs> okay. arenado Contreras, gorman
4: i just slip that one in
3: uh kisner jordan walker mason Wynn, who's only hitting 152 but that if nothing else is a talented lineup that that's a lineup that should be able to muster more than four hits on the night
5: you you uh, i i just i don't know man i right i'm i'm watching the game it becomes extremely frustrating when you when you see how how poorly they're performing. You got Kisner 3-0, uh, bases loaded. He looks at a strike. I, I man, I'm swinging up out of my shoe. What else do you have to lose? you you at that point. You're not a you 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 all are losing. Adam Wainwright is giving you the best he's given you in in the last three to four to five starts, and you have an opportunity. What more do you need? What more do you want? Like I think, guys, I know that they they look forward to those opportunities, but you gotta you gotta make something happen when those opportunities are presented for you because it's it just right now this team is we got we got to talk about it, but it's just not a good not a good baseball to watch.
3: What's Coach Venturi's line? You're either coaching it or you're
5: it, allowing it, mm.
3: and it's happening, right?
5: Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's just bases loaded with less than 2 outs. You would think choke up maybe? Somebody comes in and scores. Yeah. I don't know.
4: Eventually, eventually. I mean, that would be that would be ideal, but when you're I mean, we looked at the numbers yesterday. I know that at least going into yesterday's game, going into the game 28th in the league 28th in the league and bases loaded OPS last in major league baseball with the 179 average with the bases loaded. There's something going on there. The situational hitting where they're not able to capitalize in clutch moments. I don't know how you can explain that because that was not an issue just after the trade deadline. This is something that we've seen this season from this group and not something that I would expect with a lineup that involves Nolan Arnato and Paul Goldschmidt.
3: The Cardinals do have a phrase that they live by offensively. But is it really happening? That's next as we roll on on the opening drive with Brooke, Carrie and Randy on 101 ESPN.
2: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
9: A simple, bad grammar terminology, okay? And it's something (laughs) I have fun with, but something I also take, you know, some seriousness to, but plan on getting gooder.
3: That is the Cardinal hitting coach, Turner Ward, on November 11th here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Plan on getting gooder. Get gooder every day.
4: I thought that was John Ditton for a second. Oh, yeah. He had a little bit of that southern twang. Yeah, no doubt.
3: (laughs) And uh, the Cardinals have been kind of on a roller coaster, which is fun at times. Roller coasters can be good if you're on the right roller coaster. Not a big fan of roller coasters that go upside down.
5: I'm not a fan of them at all.
3: Oh, really? No. Uh, But like the Cardinals, OPS, first month of the season, 749. Then they go, and that was when they started 10 and 24. Was that the number 10 and 24? Uh, but that was that, that, 749, the 10 and 24. Remember, guys, a lot of these players have played in the uh, WBC. So that just throw
6: is. that one oh. away. We have to keep throw, throw <laughs> that, that because
5: that is yep. the. Important
6: part.
3: Then in May, their OPS goes from seven forty nine to seven fifty nine. Then in June it goes from seven fifty-five to seven twenty-nine. Then it goes back up to eight oh six in July. Then it's down to seven twenty this month. We are on a figurative roller coaster with the Cardinal offense, and they aren't getting gooder.
4: <laughs> they are not they are not getting gooder, but they need to get gooder. That's that's the issue, right? I I just don't know how that you do explain this. Is this more do you guys feel like a chemistry issue of where they're just not We discussed it yesterday the importance of, you know, not being so individualized, which it seems like with analytics and the push for that, that's what you're seeing more from the players. Is it more of a chemistry issue with guys not being in line with each other or is it a philosophy <laughs> issue that maybe we're unaware of that they have with the hitters?
3: Let's start with this. It, I would have no problem saying, it's injuries! 720 this month. I'll put it on injuries. I'll put it on Brendan Donovan and Gorman being out and Lars Lars. being out. I'll put put this month on those guys. 749, 755, 729, 806 when you didn't have injuries. Carrie, it goes back to what you said at the beginning of the season. And I really, uh, I, I disputed what you said, but you were right. When you said, hey, just have a lineup let the guys play. Manager can sit in the dugout with his arms folded. That was always a great thing about Whitey Herzog. He'd sit on the end of the bench with the, his arms folded. He'd put a lineup out there. and they He put his best players out there and gave them the best chance to win. Mm-hmm. And again, this goes back, and it's not a bad thing to use numbers. But when you're completely guided by numbers and you sit players who should be playing pretty much every day down, I think that winds up being a problem. When you send Jordan Walker down, I think that's a problem. How much better could Jordan Walker be if he would have spent that month here getting gooder at the major league
5: level? <laughs> I think he'd be uh, yeah. 30 days ahead of where he is right now. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So in my humble opinion... And I am humble about this because there's people that know more about this than I do. Not the Cardinals maybe. did have the ability to be more consistent this year. And at Brook, chemistry, yes, developing chemistry throughout a lineup is something that has to be done if you want to succeed. Brian Snicker puts the same group of guys out there every day. And, yeah. and they're, they're great, but uh, their OPS is month by month, 783, 788, eight, nine forty. That's kind of an outlier. <laughs> Nine forty ops for a team for a whole month. Eight twenty one, eight ninety one. The the Braves are very consistent and very good. And I think it benefits players to have a role and serve that role consistently.
5: That that is the part right there. When you know what your role is, you know you're an everyday starter. Mm-hmm. It, it's it takes pressure off of you in any sport. You don't have to worry about oh, if I go zero for four, I might not be in the lineup tomorrow. No. The coach trusts you. He believes in you. The manager trusts you. He believes in you. He's going to allow you to have those days where you struggle. Have that week where you struggle. Have two or two weeks where you may not be hitting the ball, but you know you're still going to be where you're supposed to be and you're not worried about. I think Dylan Carlson is, is one of those guys that is a constant worrier as to whether or not I'm going to play today. So now every time I come up to bat, I'm probably squeezing that bat tight as hell mm-hmm. trying to make something happen where instead of just hitting the ball where it needs to go it's part of the game. It's part of the, the, the mental part of the game when you are not sure or not secure in your role or your spot. You tend to press a little bit more. And, and I don't know if it's a chemistry issue right now because I, I don't think that these guys don't like each other. I don't think that there's friction. I felt like there was friction in the Blues locker room yeah. last year at the beginning of the year. But I didn't. I don't feel like there's any friction here other than you know the Wilson Contreras issue. But I think we're past that. I just think that this team is not they aren't aren't playing well enough to be better than what they Mm -hmm. are right now. And I do think that they have dealt with injuries. I think Nolan Arenado, I've said it all season long, I think he's been dealing with an injury. And he what do you What is he kiss I think he has a bad back. How long? Not
4: a week back. Okay. It's, it's about as common as a common cold right now. I mean, so it really gives them something. I get mean, something yeah, some, some zinc, tylenol. some vitamin D. I mean, I don't know what what else you need. And, and to the chemistry point, I agree with you. From everything that I've heard and from what I've understood, even going to the clubhouse, these guys do all get along. Of course, you're going to have your separate group. CD, you know, you're a part of a team. Not everybody's going to be best friends. Just because you're on a team together, doesn't mean that you're all going to have the same backgrounds, understandings of each other. But from what I've heard and seen, this group does get along. But sometimes I was thinking more of like the chemistry in the lineup, that it's just not clicking. And I think that definitely has to do with what you guys are touching on, of not having those defined roles where there's not much consistency. And the players kind of looking behind their backs, even though they might get along with their guy, competition's competition. They're pro athletes. They're always going to be looking out, knowing that there's somebody younger waiting to take their job and that is right there knocking on the door. So I get that. And then even just moving guys around. The Jordan Walker situation, I don't think I will ever understand. Not getting him more prepared for the outfield a little bit sooner when he was in the minors. It just feels like there's been times this season too with Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt where you look to those guys and Nolan, we know that the beginning of the season wasn't exactly great for him and it felt like the offense also followed suit with that. It's, there mm-hmm. was times where when Nolan would go, the offense would go and vice versa, almost to the detriment to offense. I know that he's not the one completely running it, but I think that he's definitely a leader that a lot of those guys look to and follow by example.
3: So how did the Cardinals fix this for 2024? If they're going to have the same group of people and we presume the same group of coaches how does this group improve upon what has been I guess you could call it and for the Cardinals an abject failure for 2023 because they are below average in terms of run score per game <laughs> That's... how do they improve <laughs> how do they improve this year
5: Next year, for 2024. Oh, I was going to say this year. For right.
4: next year. That's that's going to be tough, because that's my concern, is last off season they were so fixated on getting a catcher, which they did, and they were able to accomplish that, but then they thought that was kind of the, what they needed for going in the season. It seems like they're going to be fixated on pitchers, which I 100% agree with. You need to go get some starting pitchers, but... I still believe that there might be some more things that might need to be addressed with this team, especially when you're looking at the situational hitting that you've seen this season.
5: I, I, we'll talk about it later. We, we were we have a segment where we'll talk about who's yeah. more at fault. But looking at, you know, last season, that team went to the playoffs. That mm-hmm. team won 91 games. Is that is that correct? How many? 93. 93 games. Yeah. So when you're looking at that team and you bring back, most of the pieces from that team from last year, you would not assu- and, and you add pieces like a Jordan Walker, yeah. you would not assume Anna Wilson Contreras, who was supposed to be a better bat than what Yadier Molina was mm-hmm. you would not expect this team to be in this position, no way in the world anyone in St. Louis anyone that watches baseball, watches this team watched this team last year, would believe that they would be in the position that they are in right now I don't know how that happens I don't. It, 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 to me, you can't solely blame the manager and say, well, huh he, you didn't do a good enough job. He, he's the same guy. He didn't he, do gooder. He, same people. He didn't do gooder. <laughs> same people as he had last year for the most part. And this team is 20 games under 500.
3: You guys want a phenomenal stat. Just sure. an incredible, amazing statistic. Mm-hmm. In 1990, which is 33 years ago? 1990, yes. Yep, 33 years ago, the Pittsburgh Pirates under Jim Leland won 95 games. Jay Bell. Their shortstop at number two hitter led the National League with 39 sacrifices. What would happen with that team is that Barry Bonds would lead off with a base hit or a walk. Bell would bunt him over and then uh, he'd get driven home by Bo- Van Slyke or Bonilla. 39 sacrifices for Jay Bell led the league in 1990. Mm-hmm. In 2023, the Arizona Diamondbacks lead all of baseball with 29 sacrifices. Jay Bell had 39 in one year. The Arizona Diamondbacks lead all of baseball as a team with 29.
5: Already, how do you get paid hundreds of millions of dollars by bunting, bunting uh, Barry Bonds over? Well, there you go. There's <laughs> the issue. There's the <laughs> how issue. The hell am I going to get paid $100 million mm. for bunting Barry over? The Cardinals have eight
3: sacrifices
5: it's... this year. That, That's a high number in my opinion. I'm surprised right. they have that many. And by the way,
3: we should point this out, the Braves only have two.
6: Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. They're, and they're In fairness, we, in fact,
3: the, the bottom three teams in terms of sacrifices in Major League Baseball. The Brewers, who have won nine in a row and lead their division, and the Dodgers, who uh, only have three. Those two teams only have three sacrifices. But I still think for a team like the Cardinals, it would be a good idea to be able to manufacture a run when you lose as many one-run games as they do.
4: Well, and also the Braves are relying on the home run, which is something that we've mentioned as a concern for the Cardinals. But the Braves, if you look at overall, they have more tools in their toolbox that they're utilizing and they're able to execute on a pretty consistent and high level. I think that that's the biggest difference. If you even look at like stolen bases and doubles they're pretty high in the league and that so there's they're a very well-rounded group not just reliant on one thing yeah
3: and to come back to that pirates team they were seventh in major league baseball and runs scored even though jay bell had you know uh, how many uh, sacrifice hits in 96 sacrifice hits as a team the pirates did that year yeah led the league. wow and jay bell had 39 and they scored if we talk about scoring first They scored first all the time. There you go. Because they got that runner into scoring position. Uh, So there you have it. The Cardinal offense hope will get gooder for 2024. They need to. Uh, Next up, we've got our bird droppings. Uh, They're 2-8 and in their last 10. Bird droppings next on 101 ESPN.
6: The smartest way to do your homework.
1: You're back to the opening drive podcast on one Oh one ESPN
2: presented by Dobbs tire and auto centers is bird watch on the opening drive.
3: It is time for bird droppings on one Oh one ESPN, Brooke Grimsley, Carrie Davis, Randy Carricker, Cardinals, kind of scuffling two and eight in their last 10, I'm not even going to look at what it was beyond the last 10. I'm just going to look at the right side of the column (laughs) and the four game losing streak. But that's uh, that's all I want to know. That's all I want to know, because I'm assuming it's probably worse than that over the last 15. But here is a a bird dropping from Brooke.
4: All right. My bird dropping. Thank you very much. Flying in with that one. So John Rooney. Uh, giving him credit for this from KMOX. This is a very interesting tidbit that he dropped during the broadcast last night. I like tidbits. So (laughs) the last Cardinals run to score not via home run was Mason Wynn's first career RBI. And guys, that was, remember when he ground into the Fielder's Choice? Mm -hmm. And guys, that was Wednesday. That was... This past Wednesday. Wait, Brooke, that's six like days
6: ago, five games.
4: Yeah, I'm gonna. So I'm gonna say this again. The last Cardinals run to score, not via home run, was Mason Wynn's first career RBI, which was this past Wednesday <laughs> against the Pirates. That six to four victory was in the ninth inning. Is that and, not good? It's not good. It's your not point good. Here. CD. I like, I, what I like I'm saying hand. what I'm saying is because we talked about in the last segment, the reliance on the home run that we have seen this season for the Cardinals, and you brought up the Braves, which is a which is a great point. But they have more tools in their toolbox mm. that they're able to utilize because even if you look at the Braves and what else they're able to do, they're in the top half of the league in both doubles and stolen bases. I think they're like thirteenth in doubles, seventh in stolen bases. They are a more well rounded team. So not only can they be reliant on the home run, they are able to utilize other aspects of their game and be pretty good at it, which I think is important for any group. If you even look at, you know, last night, for instance, like Paul Goldschmidt, he had a home run that snapped a 22 inning scoreless streak for the Cardinals. That's not good, guys. No,
3: and the Cardinals... They need to, because of the talent that they're going to have, when you're playing Mason Wynn and Tommy Edmond on a regular basis, those guys aren't going to be part of a group that has 44 more home runs than everybody, every other team in baseball. So you need to play the game differently, and you need to play utilizing your athleticism. And I don't think, this is just my own personal opinion, that the Cardinals do maximize the athleticism that is available to them on this roster. Uh, yeah, and, and Tommy been and Mason Win so far, and he's only hit in 152, and he's only played for a week and a half. Uh, but I, I Newt Bar, I think you could utilize his athleticism better when he's playing. Uh, all the games that uh, that Tyler O'Neill plays, he's athletic. I I think this would be a fun team to utilize. Last night. Yeah, yeah, use the athleticism uh, of this group more than you do.
5: Jordan Walker got the second base on a. Uh Ball had skipped away. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. You you have the ability to do those things. Uh, it's just not it's not good baseball right now. No. So, I don't know <laughs> what to tell you. <laughs> yep, mine is you. you. Thank you, sir. Uh, <laughs> the last three games obviously they played Zach Wheeler, they played Aaron Ola, A-Aaron, A-Aaron Nola, Aaron mm-hmm. Nola, and they played Blake Snell. Were, were the starting pitchers that they went against. They have three hits, two hits, four hits in those three games. One run in those three games. And they are 0 for 12 with runners in scoring position in those three games. This team last night is a is a was a snapshot of what this team has been pretty much all year. Bases loaded, less than two outs. I think the the game the the game last week a couple of days ago against the uh, Phillies, you got two runners on, less than two outs in the top of the ninth inning. Those opportunities to not. And not scoring is what's killing this Cardinals team. Mm -hmm. Not getting hits, timely hits. We talked about it earlier in the season. Just not not good baseball, not sound baseball, not fun baseball to watch. You expect your best players in that game against the Phillies, you expect uh, Nolan Arenado to come up and get a hit in that moment. You expect Wilson Contreras to get a hit in that moment. Now, yesterday, bases loaded. Andrew Kisner, you told me he's going to be the next starting catcher for the St. Louis Cardinals because mm-hmm. he's the best hitting catcher that they have. Because Wilson Contreras is a DH. Nah, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't get the hit yes.
3: in that moment. And, and, and by the way, bases loaded, three and Three and oh So uh, you know yeah. he's coming at you. Mm-hmm. He,
5: and and he had just so he had just walked two batters. So. I'm taking a shot. I mean, what, what, what more do you, what do you have to lose? He strikes out. Jordan Walker strikes out. Looked, looked, Jordan looked really bad in that strikeout. Mm-hmm. He had two yeah. hits last night, but that looked that good. morning, look good. good afternoon, good yeah, night. Yeah, but he was just chasing, swinging, and yeah. missing. Um, and so you look at this team and you're trying to figure out, okay, pitching obviously is the most important thing for 2024. Mm-hmm. One of those guys, obviously Zach Wheeler not, but Aaron Nola, Blake Snell on the market, go get one.
3: Mm-hmm. Please and thank you. Well, yep. and, right, what did we run into in the playoffs last year, right? It's, it's Nola and Wheeler.
5: If you got one, you're good. If you got two, you're great. So find a way to get two guys this offseason season. Do not tell me that they're in the organization, because if they were, they'd be here. Thank you. I don't want to hear it. (laughs) Get someone that is not here, that has done it at the highest level, and let's get them in a Cardinal uniform, and let's see if this offense wakes up when they have great pitching every single night, and let's see if the pitching can make sure that we don't give up eight runs in a game.
3: And you better figure out a closer that has the stomach to pitch to the ninth in a big big day.
4: Yeah. Mm He yeah. did. Nice. He did. I think I think one thing that does kind of concern me with what you're talking about, too, when it comes to the situational hitting, and we've talked about the bases loaded, is last season, just seeing how that postseason played out, the bats went cold then, too. You guys remember that, right? And who was it? Who were the two players that came up big? It was Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina, those who had experience in being good kind of clutch hitters throughout their career. What concerned me is some guys that you're relying on not able to really show up in those big moments last season. And then there's times that you're seeing that carry over this season is that going to continue into 2024 cuz you can go and get you know the two-headed monster but if you're not able to capitalize in bases loaded situations then that's concerning
3: a lot of guys better get gooder
5: when did good, you good. say the last run that they had wasn't? Last uh, oh, Wednesday. Okay.
4: It was last Wednesday. We oh,
5: got a text from the 314 and the 618 said, wow, that's almost a week back.
4: Oh, mm, no. it is. Yes, yes. No. <laughs> we got it.
5: <laughs> uh, guys.
4: Do you, do you guys not notice? I tried to find every way to avoid walking into that. But right. you, guys
6: always,
4: you guys always find a way. You guys <laughs> always <Yeah. laughs> find a way.
6: Our listeners,
3: our texters are great. <laughs> yep. You can uh, text us, of course three one four three nine 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 six four six three one four three nine nine yo-ho all right Uh, Dateline Bush Stadium Valley Sports Midwest Jim Hayes interviewing the Cardinal president of baseball operations John Mozalek. the question how frustrating has it been to watch the Cardinals lately
8: well I think it's frustrating and uh, I certainly understand how the fans are looking at this uh, the front office ownership the manager coaches I mean we all expected something different and so to be playing like we are it's, it's certainly depressing um, and you can, you can define it a little bit in the sense of, like, obviously at the trading deadline, we traded some, some guys that were contributing away from this club. Um, and then we've also had a rash of injuries. And so when you look at the current club we're running out there, it's not how we envisioned it. And, you know, it, it's unfortunate. We still have to play these games. They still count. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can find a, a, a stride that starts making sense for us. And we should be getting a few people back. From the IL over the course of this next week and and hopefully that has a positive impact so you think it's depressing
3: hold my
8: beer
5: (laughs) (laughs) when was that interview how about that last night so the same thing i said (laughs) about ollie in terms of young guys (laughs) trying out there to me and i'm sure to other people Mm -hmm. that sounds like an excuse yeah Those guys that played last night and the last few nights are your guys. What more do you just say? All you have to say is we didn't play well. We're not playing well. We have to be better. We're not good right now and leave it at that. Sometimes you talk too much and then you start talking yourself into excuses, Randy. We got the hell kicked out of us on Saturday night, man. 12-1. to 1. I'm not going to tell you. Oh, no, your team. No, oh, 54-0. 54-0. 50, oh, no. <laughs> we got beat. Oh, uh, well, as we didn't have this, you know, you know this happened, you know, the, the heat last week. It, <laughs> who cares? Yeah. No one cares. You're not playing well. Your team is not playing well. Maybe it wasn't constructed well. That's everyone involved. Every person that has your 20 games under 500, 18 games, 18 and a half games back in the division. Mm-hmm. Every single person that goes to the to the stadium every single day has a hand in what te- what has taken place in, in this team for this team this year. No one is left without blame. Mm-hmm. Stop making excuses. Get better. Leave it at that. Don't make any more. Excuse. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm sick of it. Not even Thursday. It's not even Thursday. It's not even
4: Thursday. Well, I think that we've all been sick of it for a while, and I think that's a very valid, very, very valid point, CD. Nobody wants to hear the excuses. Nobody wants to hear patience. Nobody wants to hear that kind of stuff. Remember how many times we heard patience early on the season? But I did think it was interesting. And remember that interview we did with Frank, or not? We didn't do that, but Frank Cusimano did with John Mozalek. Frank asked John about when he started to notice that maybe something wasn't going right with this team and he said April. And yeah. then but what did we hear around that time too? It was patience, all this stuff. And maybe they did think that they were able to do enough because we you know, we heard from guys where they believed that they would be able to still win the division and come out on top, but it just seemed like there was not a sense of urgency the season and nobody wants to hear the excuses either nobody about cares. this. No,
5: Just say we're not good enough. We haven't played well enough. We will fix it in the offseason. I don't care that you traded away pitchers. What the hell does that have to do with the lineup not hitting? Kerry, you are
3: the CEO of the football team at Hazelwood Central, and you lost 54-0 on Saturday night. Whose fault is it?
5: It's mine! Thank
3: you.
4: Yeah. It's mine!
3: Thank you.
5: It ain't nobody else's. It's mine. I got to make sure our guys are prepared. And not turn the ball over. Mm -hmm. Make sure we're in the right coverages. Make sure we understand exactly what we're... It's my fault. It ain't nobody else's. It's on me. Yep. And even if it ain't, I'm going to still take it. That's that's a leader.
3: That's (laughs) that's, accountability.
4: And because then your players, too... The, when they see that, they will take accountability for their own actions, and then people start to come together more. Because right. when you start playing the blame game, then everybody's coming up with excuses, right? It's, and I it's, totally
6: it. do. That's me. <laughs> That's
4: just how it goes. Yeah. You're never going to get gooder that way.
6: Oh
3: my God! no! <laughs> Ladies are oh, it's Carrie and Brooke. Not, not me. <laughs> 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 it's, it's the opening drive on 101. Oh, totally, it's Matthew.
6: Uh, <laughs> it's he's not, a producer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's get you the fall guy. Yeah, get you a fall <laughs> guy. <Aww. laughs>
3: take it or leave it. Next on One Hundred One ESPN, text three one four three one three nine 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 six four six three one four three nine nine. Yo ho! Get your text in now for take it or leave it.
1: You're back to the opening drive podcast on One Hundred One
2: ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for take it or leave it. I want to say something? I want to put it out there?
1: it you can take it if you don't set it right back get your text into 314-399-9646 and give us your take it or leave it
2: brought to you by gloria lou realty visit gloria and start packing
0: that's my final author take it or leave it
3: Your texts in a moment, Brooke, Carrie, Randy. All right, kids, take it or leave it. There is a mantra now over at the Cardinals offices on Clark Avenue, and it is:
4: Oh, <laughs> take it <or> leave it. I I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. <laughs> <Okay. I'm gonna laughs> take it. You might
5: have been there for a while. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah. Hey, what, about three years now. <laughs> yeah, get you a fall get guy. Get you a fall guy.
4: Who's a, so who is going to be the fall <laughs> know, guy in, that's in this situation? It's a great question. Everybody
5: coming. That you know what? That's a a. a Rough work environment to 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 be in when there's no account. I say this, it doesn't matter what organization you are in, if it's not good at the top, it's not going to be a good organization. If mm-hmm. the people at the very top, everything my coach used to say, Blake bleep rolls downhill. And mm-hmm. so he would get cussed out because of how poorly we were performing, and he would give it right to us. So, you know, it starts at the top. When things aren't run well at the very top. People underneath you don't know which way to go, and they aren't doing their job effectively. So that, that's no matter what business, what organization, what sports team, it will always start at the top.
4: I agree,
5: 100%. So uh, I know you all saw this. We were watching it. Ronald Acuna was accosted by two fans <laughs> yesterday. Uh, got knocked down by one. One was holding on to him for dear life, grabbing on, trying to take a selfie. Take it or leave it. Ronald Acuna needed Messi's guy oh, in the oh. side. Take it. Take it. <laughs> I'm going to take <laughs> in that. territory, so. just, just patrolling, making sure somebody didn't, didn't mm-hmm. run out there and try to touch him. I feel
3: bad for ushers now because back in my day when I was an usher, I would have crushed that guy's skull.
4: <laughs> did you have, ever have to take somebody out?
3: Yeah, but I slipped on the uh, wet tarp. Oh, on, did you oh, Are yeah, you it serious? Was it was your yeah. chance. Yeah, uh, no, uh, Well, that one I missed, but I did get one.
6: <laughs> wow. <laughs> I did. Uh, boom, uh, boom,
3: boom, boom. Uh, but yeah, if if I if I am an usher, and that's where the blackout rage comes in. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, sometimes it's a negative, sometimes it's a positive. You get Ronald, flashbacks, yeah, Ronald, back to that uh, moment. Yeah, yeah, right. Ronald would have thanked me, but uh, yeah, that uh, in front of. Um, Maybe millions of people on TV. Well, now it's been all over Sports Center too. Yeah, just three quick ones, right to the kisser. Uh, yeah, on the ground. What are you doing? Hold him by the shirt. Boom, boom, boom. And then yeah, we would have to drag him back to the the wagon gate.
5: I can respect that. I. I think so James Harrison slammed a fan. It was beautiful. Yeah, beauty.
4: Well yeah. it was just weird because the first fan went and hugged him and grabbed him and they and the security tried pulling him off but they were kind of being slow about yeah. it and then the second guy comes out of nowhere and it's like what what are you what guys are doing? doing like and then finally some of the players had to come over it felt like it was so slow the way that it played out should have been handled it's quicker nicer than i
5: would have well, been as well
3: yeah and then <laughs> yeah then another person was That's weird because there was one person then another person you talk about it unfolding slowly then apparently another person came out of the stands and tried to do the same thing they weren't yeah. together which yeah
4: just weird no well and let me just say one thing you cannot try that here at Bush Stadium because Phil, the security oh, guy, oh, oh my God, oh, he will not. Play and play and I, I love well, Phil. Phil is fantastic. That man is tough. You is. will not be yeah. able to get past well, him. Don't even try. You don't also, even try.
3: You don't want to mess around in Philly.
9: That laser worked good. It did. Woo-wee. I mean, he put a laser on him and he went down like a sack of onion. <laughs> he did. <laughs>
0: It'll take him a little while to get his heart beating.
4: <laughs> I miss Mike Shannon. That was amazing. The sack of onions is one of my favorites. <laughs> That's great.
3: <laughs> and there's video of that. Uh, I think with, um, with Mike Schilt watching it all unfold and uh. saying they're going to blank this guy up.
6: <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's amazing. All right, take it or leave it, guys. We had our fantasy football draft last night. Uh, A little stressful. Take it or leave it. I don't like two quarterback leagues that should be illegal I, I, I'll, I'll take <laughs> it so okay. his, uh, do you hear that bk bk yeah. i know you're listening He is listening so, we, 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 we are that, not giving so, him a break oh, oh, oh,
5: oh. bk bk is is a, is a is a is our commissioner of our league last year he made the the the, plunt, the, the he made a terrible mistake of having the rounds 30 seconds this week, this year he you went You don't think it was
4: intentional maybe I,
5: I think it was an accident because everyone was stressed out that, there was more stress last year than there was this year uh, Yeah, it was kind of two, stress, i panicked two, two quarterback leagues i Stay away from trying to mm. get two quarterbacks because it it never works out well. No, for me. my second quarterback one year was Eli Manning, and let's just say I could have had more run more points from a running back every week. So,
4: <laughs> I just unless ed- you get two oof.
5: guys and then the rest of your lineup is thrown out. How does Derrick Henry not wind up on your team?
4: I was so, now and that was another thing that stressed me out, is it's a 14-person league, and so I was watching. I had things in queue. Derrick Henry was on there. Now, I did keep to my namesake. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Uh-huh. My my team name is Rogers um, Darkness Retreat, okay. and mm-hmm. I even put a picture of his darkness retreat on there, <laughs> <didn't> and Aaron <laughs> Rodgers was one of my quarterbacks. So I was able to do that. Um, I was able to get Burks, so hopefully he'll be fully healthy around Ready to go. I really wanted Derrick Henry. I was afraid of saying it like out loud to anybody in the group chat and he just slipped right by me. He was
5: there for you though. He was there for a while, wasn't
4: he? No, I he got there. taken like literally right before me. Oh, the was it? Round? Because yeah.
3: I, cause I typed here goes Derrick Henry. And it was, it was he, right before me. It was pick, right yeah, before was it, me. Yeah, for, the, the, okay, yes. the pick right before you. Yeah. Yeah, my team.
5: Uh, By the way... uh, I think think Rock was auto-drafting.
4: He was. You auto-drafted, didn't you? Uh,
7: I I missed my first pick. How do you miss the first pick? (laughs) Because the app... (laughs) The app told me the app wasn't wouldn't up, wasn't updating me. It said, you have three picks to go. And then all of a sudden I get the text, rock. And I'm like, yeah. so I hit, I hit refresh. And it's like, you have 12 seconds left. I'm like, yeah. no, you guys told me I had three picks to go. I
4: was so confused because I was like, man, just already kind of mailing it in. On I, the had first day, huh?
7: <laughs> I had a lot of connection yeah. issues last night
3: with and, and problems with the app. Jeez. It was bothering me. So T-Bone kept taking players where I thought that I was going to get him. Yeah, and so T Bone wound up with a really good looking team. I really like his team.
5: We got to stop T Bone because I didn't like his uh, memes that he was posting last year. And the executioner he's pretty good. Going Wait, Shore.
4: is that what he was doing? Oh, is, yeah. He's he one, was one of those it, he was, people. He,
5: he had a meme. I got his ass though. Everybody. He put out a meme because he because he took down Marshy,
7: Randy, and CD, and then he t- he put out a meme, tagged me that the Grim <laughs> Reaper was knocking on my
5: door, and he lost. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was a rough season for me. I think I might have won two games last year. So,
3: by the way, I, I was debating between two names yesterday. Uh, the first name that I had was <laughs> Cromarty's 15th kid. Uh, but then I switched to Kyler's Film Room.
6: Uh-oh, oh, that wait, that's a good to? one. That's yeah. a good one.
3: Yeah. Uh Matthew, do we have any texts?
7: <laughs> Ollie needs to watch the new Florida Gators documentary under Irvin Meyer and learn a thing or two about firing up a locker room, right?
4: Oh. I haven't
7: oh, seen man.
5: it yet. I heard it was uh it was missing a few things.
4: Aaron Hernandez. We yeah, Riley we discussed Cooper. that. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think it kind of supposedly paid him. Newton. Yeah. Oh, really?
5: Yeah. Can't miss out on that. They, they didn't have any of that in there. They took out And then they have lot. Chris Rainey. I guess they were... I was watching a... Someone like, he was just talking about him eating spaghetti and watching cartoons and they just left <laughs> out the whole Chris Rainey story. The part where he got arrested, I believe. Yeah. 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 That he seems a like right.
4: a... Story you'd keep in there. I would yeah. think that
3: you'd want to have Aaron Hernandez <laughs> shooting a guy in the face.
4: Nah. I guess because he Are got you his mean, own college? documentary. Oh, did yeah, you guys true. watch that documentary? I by the way, no, I didn't watch mm. it. the friendship with his teammate oh, was. Uh, yeah. I that was a twist. <laughs> Midnight Shimalan Sham or what is his name? Shamalan uh, Twist. That was, uh, I I was, a, woo. was a. That was a doozy. Take Watch it league. at your own discretion. Oh, okay. <laughs> Take your leave. The Arizona
7: Cardinals finish with a worse winning percentage than the St. Louis Cardinals. Ooh, good one. Yeah, that I like this is a good one. That is. I'm going to say what is our
5: winning percentage right now? So it's a 4.23 right now for Cardinals for yeah. the Cardinals. Yes,
3: yeah, uh, St. Louis and the uh,
5: Arizona Cardinals. Oh. Arizona Cardinals
3: go four and thirteen.
5: Take it. That's less. Yeah. That's worse.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
5: yeah that's uh, yeah. Twenty three percent. Yeah. I'm gonna have yeah, to take I'll it. Take that.
3: Four and three. It's gonna be a, a rugged year. Although Kyler is they gonna just, come back.
4: They
5: just uh kind kinda, of, Colt
4: McCoy, he's
3: gone. We're gonna
5: start Joshua Dobbs <laughs> or a rookie.
3: Joshua Dobbs or Clayton.
4: Tune. Is that where Joshua Dobbs is now? Got yeah. I can I, never I'm keep always, up. He was with Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. I've
5: always liked him. I think he's a good player. He just needs an opportunity. Yep, he's I liked a him at Tennessee. <clears throat> yeah, R- literally, literally a rocket science. Yes, yes.
4: yes.
6: Yeah.
7: Take it or leave it. Miles Michaelis is the Cardinals de facto number one in 2024. Oh, leave uh, it. Oh, we've no. discussed this before. No. I love
3: Miles, he's
7: but like, I want him to be my number two guy.
5: I think he's going to be your number three. I
4: don't oh, want no. that kind of surprise. Sorry, Carrie, what was that? Don't be
5: surprised. Sorry, okay. I, will not. I, I mean listen I I have seen enough to know that anything is possible <laughs> that is the season
4: that is for sure. Anything is possible. Yep. typically it means something good, but not this season.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> Thank you Randy. and thanks very much for your text. We mentioned, or did we that the Cardinals are twenty games under five hundred? Yeah. Does it concern you that the Cubs have played 18 games over 500 since June 8th? That's next on our Fresh Take here on 101 ESPN.
1: you're back to the opening
2: drive podcast
1: on 101 espn
2: presented by dobbs tire and auto centers
1: a fresh perspective on the day's top stories it's the opening drive's fresh take
2: brought to you by schnooks rewards reward yourself earn 2 percent back on every purchase with the schnooks rewards app
3: The Newest Times brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Well, the Cardinals lost 4-1 to the Padres last night, and that's kind of become a usual occurrence here in St. Louis. The Cardinals are now 20 games under five hundred. The Chicago Cubs continue to roll. They did fall last night to the Brewers by a score of 6-2, but overall, the Cubbies are 18 games over five hundred since June 8th, and if the playoffs started today, well, the Cubs would be in the playoffs, and the Cubs yes they do have Cody Bellinger heading towards free agency but they've been doing this without Marcus Stroman and they've got a pretty young team Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner their middle infielders we kind of thought the Cardinal middle infielders might win gold gloves Mm -hmm. well the Cubs middle infielders are gonna win gold gloves Cody Bellinger has been a revelation for them. He worked with Matt Holliday during the offseason, and he has been sensational for them. They've gotten good work out of, say, Suzuki there. And we're going to talk to Jesse Rogers of ESPN about this in a few minutes. Uh, but my question is this. Are you concerned that a Cubs team that doesn't appear to be as talented as the Cardinals, and maybe we just like our guys better, I don't know what the deal is, but are you concerned that the Cubs... Are so far ahead of the Cardinals in terms of where they are and where we expect the Cardinals to be headed.
4: Yeah, because my my question is, how had they been able to make this work for them, where they were able to really maximize these guys? I think one key being Cody Bellinger. I think a lot of people felt different ways about that if they should try to trade him, and they decided to obviously stick with him, and it's paying off. My question is, how have they been able to maximize their talent?
3: And why have the Cardinals not? And part of it is, they do have a reasonably veteran team. They don't have the rookies that the Cardinals have. Candelario's been around. He's their DH now. We mentioned Suzuki, who came over from Japan last year. Mike Talkman has played a lot of center field for them, in addition to Bellinger. Ian Happ has been around. Swanson has been around. Madrigal is, is a young player playing third base for the first time. But then Horner and Bellinger and Patrick Wisdom, Jan Gomes, they, they've got a pretty veteran team, but all of those guys seem to be playing, Cody Bellinger aside, the best baseball that they've ever played.
5: They are, I mean, this is a team that, you know, we, I think we wanted Cody Bellinger at one point point. Mm-hmm. we were talking about him, whether or yeah. not he would uh, come to St. Louis. He's done a fantastic job this year. The Cubs are just playing better and they have a, a. The, uh, we talked about it last week or two weeks ago, the pipeline, the rookies, the younger guys that they have coming up are better than what the Cardinals yep. have as well because their uh, minor league system is better than the Cardinals. Really really, everyone in our division right now is better than the Cardinals. So it's going to be potentially something that we have to see for some time. I don't know why the Cardinals have struggled so much in comparison to what the Cubs have You know, since June 8th I think that was the date you said. Mm-hmm. I have no clue. I don't have a, a rhyme or reason. I think the Cardinals are constructed well enough to be much better than they are, but for whatever reason, it has not all tied together, and for the Cubs, it has.
3: Cubs have a couple of things going for them. Number one, their offense has performed to a level where they're fifth in the league in scoring in runs per game. And they're middle of the pack in terms of run prevention. Their earned run average is 4.16. The league average is 4.33. But they have another thing that the Cardinals don't have. They don't need to go out and look for a number one starter this offseason because Justin Steele has become that guy. And when you have that guy, I've always said that that makes everything fall in place behind the number one. Steele's 14-3 and three with a two. Point eight zero, He's th- struck out 133 hitters. Now, all of a sudden, Stroman, who is and by the way, he's hurt right now, but Stroman can be a number two pitcher. He's not a number one, but he's a perfect number two. Kyle Hendricks pitches better. Jamison Tyone, not great as a free agent pickup, but at least he's given them a few innings this year, and Javier Assad is their fifth starter. They have a really nice unit. That's what I'll give them credit for. Jed Hoyer and and uh, David Ross have put together maybe not the most talented group Mm -hmm. as you look look at them on paper, but a really nice baseball unit that plays really well together.
5: And They were considering trading Stroman at the deadline and and went against it, decided not to do it. And And Bellinger, Bellinger. yes. And decided, you know, we're going to push, we're going to continue to go forward. Do you think that maybe if the Cardinals had decided that we're going to not be sellers at the deadline, that they would have gotten this bad? Or do you think it would be we would be in the same position regardless of if Flaherty and, and Montgomery were still here. My, that's a my, good. Yeah, I think it's. A, I,
3: yeah. I don't. I think they would be better, but I don't think that they would. I, I they still think they'd be twenty be,
5: games under five
3: hundred. Yeah, they probably would, would be tied with Pittsburgh for last place rather than alone in last <sighs> wow. place. Uh,
4: yeah. Well, and The <laughs> <laughs>
3: bullpen's still the bullpen.
4: Yeah, it is the bullpen's Still the bullpen. I think yeah. there is some positives from trading away Jordan Montgomery and Jack Flaherty that you were able to get these pieces, these young you know, players, Takoa Robey is somebody that's exciting that we've seen here recently pitching after he's been dealing with an injury. He was activated from that. And then you have Thomas Sejasi. That's another piece that you were yeah. able to get in this. I think there's some encouraging moments. It's weird because I don't think that they would be exactly that much better, even with those guys, if they would have been able to kept around. And then you would look really silly when it comes to the off season because, of course, they're going to go test out the waters. I, I just can't figure out as to how... You know we've gotten in this position with the Cardinals this season and how they're going to approach things in the offseason to fully address all of this. Because when you're talking about the Cubs and even the Brewers, you have to think about the division moving forward and being able to stay competitive in it and grow with the rest of the division.
5: I, I think that we got to this point. I mean, I, I felt like all – when I watched Jordan Hicks perform – I said to you, Randy, I said he's a closer or he's a starter. He's not a mm-hmm. seventh or eighth inning guy. That's not his personality. He does not come across as that way. But you have Ryan Helsley as your as your closer. So what role does he fit? You got Hennessy Cabrera, who obviously can really pitch. Um, since he's gone to Toronto, he's done a great job. But for whatever reason, wasn't given, I guess, as many opportunities or the opportunity that he was looking for here. Jordan Montgomery and Jack Flaherty, you know, they are who they are you knew who they were if you expected more then you know maybe your maybe your expectations were a little bit too high but you knew that they were going to be a guys that could give you innings and and give you starts and hopefully give you quality starts uh most of the time they this team just did not do well enough around everybody as a whole People not do, taking care of their parts, people injured, people missing time. You got outfielders in the infield, excuse me, infielders in the outfield. And so it just turned to to, to a situation where you're looking at this Cardinals organization and you're trying to figure out how in the hell are the Cubs that mm-hmm. much better going forward than we are maybe this year and next year.
3: The other thing that I've paid attention to in the last couple of weeks and listening to Eduardo Perez a lot, whether it's on SiriusXM or on Sunday Night Baseball. And he had an interview the other night that was really interesting with um, – with the first base coach, Eric Young, of the Braves. And he he pointed out the veteran nature and the championship pedigree of their staff. Brian Snicker has put together a staff that, and we mentioned yesterday, Ron Washington and and Rick Kranitz and Kevin Seitzer and that group. Here's what the Cubs have. They've got two-time world champion manager, a catcher, and David Ross, who played in Major League Baseball for about... 15 years. Uh, you've got a former major league manager in Andy Green. You've got a world champion in Mike Napoli as your first base coach. You've got a world champion in Willie Harris as your third base coach. I think especially when you have young players now, if you have people on your staff that are able to go to them and say, here's how you win a World Series, I can tell you because I've got the ring, I think it makes a big difference. I think the, and obviously, especially as you get into August and September, one of the reasons, co- and we'll ask... Uh, Jesse Rogers about this. One of the reasons I think the Cubs will be fine is because that's a different sport and the Cardinals staff which is a terrific teaching staff, but they don't have that pedigree. They can't go to a player like Jordan Walker and say, okay, here's how you go through September and October because they never experienced it. And Mm -hmm. the Cubs staff has that. The Rangers staff has that. The Astros staff has that. The uh, Brave staff has that. It's just, there's so, uh, and now you look at the way that the Nationals have turned things around. The Nationals staff with a young team, uh, it's just a, a different thing altogether. And I think that respect garnered from people that have played at the highest level really does make a difference.
5: See, but I think your teammates being able to explain it to you Carries value as well. I mean, you got Wilson Contreras, you got Adam mm-hmm. Wainwright. Those guys have been through it. But when you ostracize Wilson Contreras in the manner in yep. which they did to start the season, well, hell, this, this is where we are. This is who we are. We're not a, we're not a unit right now. We're just a bunch of guys that wear the same uniform, but we're not all on the same team. We're we're not all working towards the same goal. And if you have guys that have been there that have done it, I think one of the the, the most troubling parts of this whole thing, this entire season, is. Paul Goldschmidt will be a year older next year, and so will Nolan Arenado. Yeah. That's the that that to me is the most disheartening part because those guys, the older you get, the 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 longer you get in the tooth the, the, yep. the further away it seems from you actually getting to that championship. Right. And it's that's hard for me as a player, knowing that two great players will be a year older trying right. to get to their first championship.
3: And to your point, those young Cubs players they remember Dan V. Swanson holding up the trophy. They remember mm-hmm. Cody Bellinger holding up the trophy. Uh, Kyle Hendricks can say, hey, we won in 2016 yes. here. We can do it here. So, yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. Coming up, Jesse Rogers of ESPN with more on why the Cubs have gotten better. Next on 101 ESPN.
2: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: The Grimsley, Super Bowl champ, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, Great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And we go to the celebrity line right now. And our friend Jesse Rogers of ESPN joins us. Jesse, always good to have you with us. Thanks for your time. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. Good. Hey, I want to start with this. And you are a fantastic reporter, but I want an opinion here. What do you think of the fact that the Cardinals and Cubs met for the last time in the season on July 30th?
10: yeah a little bit of a a schedule tweak. Like most people, I don't mind them reducing the number of games in the division, but perhaps September should be filled with more of that, Um, at least playing your division opponent once, right? I think that would make sense in September. I think I was looking at maybe the White Sox who end the season, like, I don't know, if it's 10 games interleague play or something crazy like that. Like, you can't have that. I think you need a little bit more divisional games in September, maybe a few in April and then the middle of the season, you you go across leagues and things like that. So perhaps they can adjust that in the future, uh, but it does put an emphasis more on division games whenever you play them, especially considering tiebreakers to get in the playoffs and win divisions is head to head. So, Less games, more important, nothing wrong with that, but maybe there should be a few in September.
3: And Jesse Rogers, one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you, and we touched on this in our last segment, the Cubs have been 18 games over 500 since their low-water mark on June 8th. Why have the Cubs been able to turn it around and become so solid?
10: Yeah, normally I'd say, oh, starting pitching. It actually hasn't necessarily been that. Usually that's what anchors you, and certainly Justin Steele, who goes for win number 15, has turned into an A. So uh, he's been great. But behind him, it's been a little bit shaky. There's been some good, some bad. So it's it's been a combination of things, as you'd imagine. If it's not starting pitching, it has been a really good offense, mostly because Cody Bellinger anchors it right in the middle, and and it's deeper now that Jamer Candelario has joined them. And now their bullpen has turned to a strength. I mean, Tommy Hadaby has been the Cubs pitching coach over the last few years i don't think he's sort of known nationally but he's turned into a good one and he's they they have i should say churned out some some players they flipped at the deadline like i've talked to executives on other teams they they kind of like what the cubs are doing in terms of developing pitchers and it's really come to fruition over the last couple of years uh the back end of their bullpen was unknown to start the season now Advert Asley has made a name for himself as a closer, Mark Leiter Jr. As a setup man, really good against lefties with one of the best splits in the league. So I, I wish I could give you one thing, but it's just a bunch of things coming together, um, bringing in experienced guys like Swanson and Bellinger, knowing how to win. Uh, their defense up the middle with Swanson and Horner and Bellinger has been great. John Gomes has really been steady behind the plate. So it's just a team that kind of came together um, and not necessarily because of their starting pitching. So, it's been a little bit of everything.
5: The Cubs are playing well. Conversely, the Cardinals are not. They are 20 games under 500, eight, 18 and a half games back in the division. I don't think anyone saw this happening. What has happened this season to the Cardinals?
10: Yeah, I don't think you have to look much deeper than starting pitching. I'm sure it's something you've talked about daily. Uh, they rank, what, 26th, I think, in starters, ERA. You're not getting it done. You're just not getting it done. For example, the Cubs rank 14th. Now, that's not anything to write home about, but you can compete ranking 14th in starters ERA. You can't compete at 26. And granted, they traded Jordan Montgomery. Maybe it's gotten worse, but it was pretty bad at the more important times of the season. Wainwright's been a disaster, right? Um, everybody sort of besides Jordan Montgomery has had their struggles at times. Um, you know. So it's that. And and a lot of people predicted it. Moselech. Didn't necessarily see it coming in, in, in terms of it being this bad. But, look, if it's shaky, yeah, they're, maybe they're performing at less than a, than a than a 10% chance of this happening. But when you're already going into the season with a wonky staff, you're asking for trouble. And that's exactly what happened. Like They were shaky to start, and you're getting like a 10th percentile performance out of them. And that's why you end up being where you are in the standings.
4: Well, Jesse, playing off of that, John Mozeliak and the Cardinals have mentioned that they are going to be focused on starting pitching this offseason, but in your opinion, what is the realistic likelihood that they're going to be able to acquire three starting pitchers? And if you were the Cardinals, is there anything else on your checklist that you think that they should address?
10: Look, you can find three starting pitchers. How good are they, right? Um, you know, stick a guy in the back end, you'll you'll find that kind of guy. I mean, when you're looking for three starters, okay, you got it. You got to spend some money. You maybe got to make that big trade, but you also have to find a diamond in the rough. You got to find a guy that's going to do something that you don't expect. Um, and and that's their scouting department's job. So, yes, yeah, spend some money on a guy, but there's contending teams always have guys that come out of nowhere. Um, I know there was some chatter about Dylan Cease. I think he could be on the market this offseason. That's why his name came up during the, during July. Because they were just testing the waters, I think, for the off season. So there, there, will be a few guys available via trade, and, and obviously some free agents. Uh, but to hit home runs on three of them, yeah, that that's a long shot. Uh, I think you you have to have a succession plan at some point here for, for Goldschmidt as as you know the age starts to creep up. Although he's still still performing, he's still stealing bases. I was looking at that the other day. Like you know, I think offensively, you're you're pretty damn good. You're pretty good. You, 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 but you need, you need to have that succession plan in place at first base for sure. Um, but otherwise, you still have that farm system churning out some players. You know, get, get Jordan Walker's getting his at-bats. I, I don't have a problem with their offense. You know, maybe Wilson Contreras, second year in the system. We won't see the controversy you saw before. So I'd really put most of my focus on that pitching staff. And, yeah, we've heard, you know, for two years now rumors they might trade one of their, you know, outfielders and I, I thought Dylan Carlson was going to be on the move in the off it, 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 at the deadline. That didn't happen. So I think they'd be ready to trade one of their outfielders for pitching for sure, as we've been um, sort of thinking about for the last couple of years. But the, that pitching staff is really where they have to revamp things.
3: ESPN's Jesse Rogers with us on 101 ESPN. And Jesse, a lot of ears perked up in St. Louis when people heard the name of Dylan Cease. Are you hearing any names about who might get the White Sox job with the firing of uh, Rick Hahn as their general manager?
10: Yeah. Yeah, all signs pointing towards uh, an internal hire um, mm-hmm. and a Bob Nightingale reported Chris Ketz. I don't, I haven't heard anything to dissuade me from that, that idea. Um, the fact that they want someone in place before the end of the season probably is limiting in terms of um, where they do their interviews, how they do their interviews. So I think they're getting their, 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 their T's crossed their eyes dotted to, to promote Chris Ketz from within. Um, and I, and I think that's going to happen in short order. And, you know, there's a lot of controversy about that here in Chicago. Why promote the guy that helped you know, with the failed uh, rebuild in the first place? But you never know. I mean, here's my feeling on 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 things like hiring from losing organizations and stuff. You can find good people on losing teams in losing organizations. There's good people there, and sometimes their their leadership is down down the totem pole a little bit, and they may have some ideas they haven't been able to express. So. You give them the top job, and they're able to do that. So we'll see. I I hold off uh, judgment on on people without a track record, but it does sound like it's going to be an internal hire.
3: And I want to ask you one more thing about Dylan Cease because nobody in this room wants the Cardinals to move Nolan Gorman. But would Nolan Gorman, with his power potential, and a really good young pitching prospect be enough to pry Dylan Cease away from the White Sox?
10: Yeah, I think so. He's he's only got two years left. Um, So, yeah, you're getting... If you're the Sox, you're getting you know maybe close to full value. It's still two, two two full seasons, and that means um, two guys like you mentioned. Uh, yeah, I, I think that would definitely be enough. Um, and I and I look you, 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 every trade, every good trade hurts a little bit, mm-hmm. right? right? And there's a strength there for the Cardinals, and you're feeling a weakness. I don't think you, you you look back if you trade Gorman and say, oh look what he's doing now in 26 or something. No, you have you have a huge weakness. The most important part of your team is a disaster right now. You're pitching a guy with an eight year A trying to get to win one ninety nine, desperately trying to get there. And and so look, you gotta fix that. And it if it hurts somewhere else, so be it. And so I think you 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 you, you sort of take that um trade if it if it pre- if it presents yourself and you go get Dylan sees.
5: Jesse, you talked about Wilson Contreras in his second year next year maybe being better. Do you see a possibility where the Cardinals keep three catchers and maybe make him the full time DH?
10: I, I do. I do. I don't know if it'd be as soon as next year. I mean as catchers age, they that, that's a good place to put them now in the national league. And I I don't think he's showing signs of aging, but in a couple couple years he might be. So I don't think as soon as next year, now, if if their pitching prospects don't get better, I mean, the Cubs went out and got Jan Gomes to replace Contreras, and frankly, he's been pretty good offensively, but man, he's done a good job settling down that staff. So, um, as I'm talking about starting staff, starting pitching being so important, if, if things don't work with Wilson behind the plate, then you've got to think that way at some point. Um, uh, but I wouldn't think as soon as next year, unless things just go south again, and you have got to get a defensive catcher in there. I mean, Martin Maldonado has one job; he can hit 120 for the Astros, yep. but he has a job to do, and that's that's an important job. And so, if yeah, things go south uh, on the mound again, you know, I don't, I, I never thought it was fair to blame Wilson, but you might have to try something else. So I would say yes, that's a possibility, but maybe not as soon as next year.
3: Uh, Jesse Rogers, one more thing, and I wanted to circle back to the Cubs. If the playoffs started today, uh, the Cubs would be in the wild card, obviously, and the Dodgers would be waiting things out. Do you believe that if, and I don't even know what the status of Marcus Stroman is right now, but if they have Steele and Stroman at the front, could the Cubs beat Philadelphia with uh, with Wheeler and uh, and Nola at the front of their
10: rotation? Probably not, probably not, because we're also talking about uh, if you just told me Stroman was pitching like he was early in the season, with a, if you had a crystal ball, and all, then okay, maybe, maybe stealing and Stroman, but without any guarantee, he's going to be pitching effectively and playing all three on the road against the World Series team from last year, against Bryce Harper. Um, I will say this, I, I'm not sure that Wheeler and Nola are going to be great again because There's a lot of mileage on those arms, even just going back a year. So I think the Cubs could score some runs, but I think the Phillies could score more. I would say they'd be uh, at least a 2-1 to underdog, if not more, in that series. So um, anything's possible, in a best of three, but I would certainly make the Philadelphia Phillies the the strong favorite in that one.
3: Jesse Rogers, you're always fantastic with your information. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. And I'm sure that uh, before the season concludes, we'll talk one more time. Have a good one. You too. Thank you. Jesse Rogers, ESPN. I'm on 101 ESPN. So interesting notes as to why the Cubs are better. He says it's the offense. Normally when a team mm-hmm. gets better, it's because the pitching kicks in. But their offense, and specifically, everybody has seen it, Cody Bellinger has turned into the player he was when he won an MVP with the Dodgers. Mm. And you get that middle of the line of presence, and then you add the defense that swanned. defense up the middle. has been really good with Swanson yeah. and Horner. Uh, it, it makes a difference. And mm-hmm. Jan Gomes behind the plate, they have built that team well. That's they important. Have. Kind of important, yeah. It
4: is. Yeah.
5: Gold glove second baseman.
3: Gold glove shortstop. <laughs> it's pretty important. Yep. Why don't
4: they just throw him in the outfield?
5: <laughs> what are they thinking
4: clearly? Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Coming up, we have the fight for you here on 101 ESPN.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
1: back to the opening drive podcast on 101 espn
2: presented by dobbs tire and auto centers welcome to the fight in the red corner average
1: joe listener and in the blue corner the undisputed king of morning
5: Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Dan. Dan, how you doing? Good, Kerry. How are you? Doing well. Are you ready to take on Randy Carricker? Ready as can be. All right. Here we go. On this day last season, Albert Pujols set one of his many records passing Barry Bonds and home ring off his 450, 450th different pitcher. Which Reds pitcher did he hit that home run off of? Is it Buck Farmer? Ross Detweiler, or Jeff Hoffman?
9: Wow. We'll try Detweiler.
4: Who is the only rookie quarterback to throw more than 30 touchdowns? Is it Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, or Justin Herbert?
10: I had Dan Marino
9: in my head. What were the three again?
4: Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, or Justin Herbert?
9: Uh, It's got to be Manning or Herbert. Uh... Seems like Manning didn't get that good of a start, so we'll say Herbert. Happy birthday
5: to Roy Oswalt. Which Which Cardinal had the most career hits against Oswalt in his pitcher's career? With 28. Albert Pujols, Matt Holiday, or Carlos Beltran?
9: Well, it seems like Beltran would have been a teammate, so it's going to be,
0: I'm going to say Holiday.
4: Only three players have ever started their career with four straight seasons of 25 home runs and 100 RBIs. Joe DiMaggio did it first. Albert Pujols completed the feat on this day in 2004, but which current AL slugger was the third? Is it Mike Trout, Carlos Correa, or Jose Abreu?
9: Mike Trout.
7: All right, we're going to double check the score and bring in Randy Carricker.
5: Dan, how you feeling? uh not well no okay or is it just the, yeah. the the fight or is it something you're okay everything good uh, little, <laughs> everything all right <laughs> a little
0: bit of both a little bit of both
6: cardinal well, season cardinals yeah. definitely yeah. if
5: you've been watching yeah. that I, I can understand right. <laughs> i'm with you there brother it's uh it's been tough on all of us randy is here ready to roll I'm looking really,
4: what is the snack focused. today he didn't have anything I had a banana.
5: Oh. oh he had, had a banana before he, before he
4: left randy say no hello crumbs.
9: to dan dan good morning how you doing Uh, Good, thanks for hosting. Thanks for beating me in advance. (laughs) Uh I appreciate that. (laughs)
3: Good.
9: All right,
5: ready? Yeah, I I am... uh uh, but I, you don't have a drink, so I had a uh,
3: Propel earlier. Oh. I've got another Propel on the way.
5: If you didn't, if and I didn't banana. see it, I don't know that you had it. Okay, it's in the recycling <laughs> over there. <laughs> All right, you ready to go? Ready. All right. On this day last season, Albert Pujols set one of his many records, passing Barry Bonds, and homering off his 450th different pitcher. Hmm. Which which Reds pitcher did he hit that home run off of?
3: 450th different pitcher last year for the okay. Cincinnati Reds. Oh,
5: hell, I don't remember. I'll do the lifeline. Buck Farmer, Ross Detweiler, or Jeff Hoffman? That helps a lot.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if, I know, uh, well, I know that all three of those guys, well, two of them have pitched for the Reds. I'm going to go with uh, the guy, just because he had one of the great all-time Twitter handles. When he was with Washington, Ross Detweiler's Twitter handle was National Debt. (laughs) <laughs> so I am going to go I with like Ross that. Detweiler simply because of his, and, and because he's from here. Uh, I, I'm going to go with he's National. To work out but... together. Oh yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's hmm. cool. Yeah.
4: All right. Who is the only rookie quarterback to throw more than 30 touchdowns?
3: Only rookie quarterback to throw more than 30 touchdowns. Uh, It's interesting because we were actually talking uh, during the break about uh, because the question on ESPN this morning was the first quarterback to throw 30 touchdowns in each conference. And the the 30-touchdown season used to not be a big deal. It's not a big deal now. It used to be a bigger deal than it is. I believe that Justin Herbert is the only rookie to throw 30 touchdown passes in his rookie year. I'm going to go with uh, Justin Herbert of the uh, L.A. Chargers. Final answer? Yeah, final answer. Right. I think he threw 31 Okay, in his rookie year.
5: Happy birthday to Roy Oswald. Which Cardinal had the most career hits against Oswald in his career with 28?
3: I will... Uh, mm, okay, Oswald was pretty much... He was done by the time that Albert moved to the other league. But it move to that Albert just seems so logical here because <clears throat> he uh played against him a lot they were um, they were in the division for a while in the same division I am going to go with Albert Pujols
4: All right only 3 players have ever started their career with four straight seasons of 25 home runs and a har- 100 RBIs Joe DiMaggio did it first. Albert Pujols completed the feat on this day in 2004. But which current American League slugger was the third?
3: So Albert finished on 2004, three, four, five. It, and it's first four seasons of 25 and 100?
4: Yes, four straight seasons of 25 home runs and 100 RBIs.
3: Okay. Uh, well, uh, my first thought would be Mike Trout. But he didn't because he got sent down in his first year. So it wasn't him. Um, My second thought, American League slugger, would be Miguel Cabrera, who won Rookie of the Year. I don't know if he did it for his first four years, but it would seem logical because after Albert Pujols, he's the second best right-handed hitter of our era. And as I just think about other sluggers in the American League currently right now... um, I don't. I don't think Judge has done that. Um, nobody else in the East, in the Central, they just really the only slugger there that it, you would even think of would be Cabrera. Um, I don't think any of the Astros guys. I don't think Bregman, Altuve, when they had. I think Correa got hurt too early. I am going to go with Miguel Cabrera. That's my guy. Total guess.
7: All right. This was an extremely close fight, but we do have a winner. No need for a tiebreaker. We're on a good stretch there. Was Dan able to come in here and beat Megamind? Just a one-point win here. Or is Megamind able to last it and get two in a row to start a week? love it when Megamind's able to start a week with a couple wins. Ring that bell.
1: The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carracker.
2: The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? I'm sorry, Danny. Just got you
7: with a 3 to 2 win today.
9: Yeah, the Pooh Holes holiday thing. Uh, I should have been a little smarter there. Yeah, but it, it happens.
7: Tricky question there. Let's go through the answers on this day. Last season, Pool set one of his many records, passing Barry Bonds and homering off his 450th different pitcher. It was, in fact, Ross Detweiler, the pitcher that he uh, homered off of, and both Randy and Dan got that right. Who is the only rookie quarterback to throw more than 30 TDs? It was, in fact, Justin Herbert with 31 in his rookie year. Happy birthday to Roy Oswald. Which Cardinal has the most career hits against Oswald in his career with 28? It is, in fact, Albert Pujols. The crazy thing is one of the options there is Carlos Beltran, who is actually next like the next highest multi-season cardinal on the hit list against Roy Oswald with 11 wow. or 12. He has one more than Jim Edmonds uh, had against Roy Oswald in his career. And only three players have ever started their career with four straight seasons of 25 home runs and 100 RBIs. DiMaggio did it first. Pools did it uh, ending in 04. And Jose Abreu started his oh, season in that upper echelon. So a 3-2 win for Randy Carriker over Dan today. Dan, thank you again for joining the fight and joining the show.
9: Have a good day, folks. Thank you,
3: Dan. Appreciate you joining us here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Next up, are the Cardinals' issues in being 20 games under five hundred all on the players and manager, or or does the front office and roster construction have a role in their lack of success? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're
1: back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
8: My confidence in Jack is, is probably at an all-time high. I, I think uh, he's had a really good offseason. His preparation has been, you know, very strategic. He is, um, I think, in a really good spot. And, you know, I think he understands the importance of this year. And so... Um, you know, obviously, we all saw a glimpse of what, what he's capable of doing in, in, in 19, and, and it was really good. And, uh, you know, I think the key is for him to be healthy. I think it's, it's you know, having his, his preparation and the ability to, to repeat that is, is obviously important. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about what we're seeing with him.
3: That is Pobomo. Back in January at the Cardinals' winter warm-up, my confidence in Jack Flaherty is probably at an all-time high. I love confidence, but where did that confidence come from? Because Flaherty had missed most of 2020 due to COVID, obviously, and the Cardinals babied him in 2020. He missed most of 2021 with an oblique injury, and then he missed most of 2022 with a shoulder injury. So what prompted that confidence? And did little elements like that, that allowed Mo to build this roster, cause this downfall? Was the roster construction as big an issue or a bigger issue than anything else that has caused the Cardinals to be 20 games under 500?
4: I'm going to say yes, because even Mo admitted that himself. When in regards to was at the All-Star break when he was asked about Ali Barman and his job security. He stood by him, which is what you're supposed to do in that position, mm-hmm. so of course. But he also mentioned this is the roster that Ali was handed. So to me, that signaling that you are conceding to roster construction was not exactly ideal. Some strategic mistakes were made because also during that winter warm-up, is when isn't that the same one where he said that they had six starting pitchers? Was that winter mm-hmm. warm up where yeah. he discussed that? So not only were they counting on Jack Flaherty, it seems like they were counting on others, even you know, say maybe a Dakota Hudson to possibly factor in to be some depth for the Cardinals at some point this season. And so that is a strategic mistake when it comes to roster construction. And with Jack Flaherty, uh, I mean, I think that maybe were they thinking that he was going to be their ace? Sounded like it. Their number one starter this mm-hmm. season.
3: Yeah, and there were. I think that they got lucky with the durability this year of of Miles um, My, Michaelis. But Mats was hurt last year, mm-hmm. and Wayno got hurt down the stretch last year. Although Waino was seventh in the National League in innings pitched, and he's been a durable performer. He just obviously has not been great this year, and got hurt during the winter baseball classic the World Baseball Classic. Uh, Montgomery was what they expected he would be. I don't think anybody can question what they got out of Jordan Montgomery this year. Uh, so you look at Mats Montgomery, Waino, um, Mats Montgomery, Michaelis, Wayno, and then uh, who, who am I leaving out here? Flaherty. Flaherty, yeah. So that that was your group. You had questions about all of them, and that's why we all say get a starter during the offseason. So roster construction was a big part of it in that regard. And then the other part of it is they – I would think had a pretty good idea that Jordan Walker was going to be in their outfield and then they didn't give him the opportunity to face adversity. They tell him at the end of spring training you're making the team because you deal with adversity. He deals with he has a little bit of adversity and they send him out. So that didn't work well. Roster construction. We have too many outfielders. We need to give outfielders more time to play. Roster construction problem. We expect Paul DeYoung to play. Paul DeYoung had been hurt for each of the last several years. Injured is back in spring training. He's not there on opening day. Roster construction. Uh, we, we think that uh, Brendan Donovan is going to be a really good utility player for us. Well, with the injury to DeYoung, Brendan Donovan winds up being a regular at second base because Tommy Edmund is playing short. All of a sudden you, you decide, okay, well, we're going to play Lars Newbar in center field. We're going to play Tyler O'Neill in center field. We're going to play Dylan Carlson in center field. They never have settle, settled on a center fielder. So roster construction and then playing time decisions, I think, have all hampered this club. And by the way, Maybe the worst part of it is the bullpen. And I didn't even mention that, but not having an ability to send relievers out and bring up fresh arms, because inevitably, your every team uses way too, much, too many innings from their bullpen than are available. You have to be able to send guys out and call guys up. And at the beginning of the year, the Cardinals didn't have enough pitchers with options to be able to send guys out to bring other guys up. And they didn't have the depth. I mean, when you're calling up people like James... When you're calling up James Neal, he's kind of scuffling. Uh, now, if you have Wilking Rodriguez, maybe different story. But <laughs> you didn't. Okay, sorry. I,
4: I think we'd have a totally different story yeah. this season, honestly. I think so. We were counting on him. We were we were talking
5: about this yesterday, and, and I feel like part of the reason why Mo felt as though this team could be better or that they would be better, and there was no need to really go make uh, significant moves, is because they had essentially the same team that, took them to the wild card last year and they they lost obviously but the team wasn't that much different minus Yadier Molina well, yeah. minus Yadier right yeah. Yeah. but then you went out and got Wilson Contreras so you felt like that that was an upgrade in terms of the bat you didn't have Albert Pujols now that is one of the greatest players to ever play the game. But you weren't expecting him to even do what he did last year. But he year. did. But, but and that was did.
4: magnificent. That, it was, that second it was, half it
3: was, was, it was incredible. It
5: was, it was, it was it,
3: was wonderful. One of my favorite lines ever is, "We're only a couple players away, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig." <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> it was it was wonderful. <laughs> but, but so you lose Albert, you lose Yachty, and who else from that roster did you lose? From from la from the end of last season. That an impact players that we're talking about. You, you, you said Corey, including Dickinson. the playoffs. Well, oh, Juan Yepes is, is, is <laughs> Juan Yepes. <laughs> you See? knew where it was going. <laughs> he's one, but he's here. I mean, he yeah, was I mean, here. could be. He could be. But other than that, you didn't really lose many pieces from that team that won ninety three games. So as a as a general manager, as a Pobo, as a head coach, as a manager, I'm looking at my roster thinking. Guys, we have something to build on from last year. We expect Jack Flaherty, who you said was injured last year, to come back and have more success than he had last year. He lost Jose Quintana. He's not back. But for the most part, you looked at this roster and felt like we made upgrades in some areas. We got better in some areas. And so the thought process would be that we could be a better team. Now, I think the failure is, part of the failure, once you realize that it is a mistake and it's not working well, you own it. You 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 own that and you say, hey, we just not we haven't played well. But as a player, when you have essentially the same team for the most part coming back and you've added pieces that you think should be better or help the team be better and you don't perform, then you as a player, you have to say we didn't perform well enough. I don't think Ali Marmal forgot how to manage from this year, from last year to this year. I don't think uh, uh, Moselec forgot how to get players to to come in and, and add value to the team. The players didn't perform well all season. So for me, when I look at it, I, I, I put the onus on the players saying, hey, you guys have not performed in critical times when it's needed the most.
3: I do believe that a big part of Ali's success in his initial year as a manager was due to Skip Schumacher's presence as the bench coach, and I do think that Mike Maddox had – the ability to run a pitching staff and help run a bullpen. And when you get that sort of institutional knowledge walking out the door, that's a brain drain. And it's really hard to make up for that level of experience with a first-year pitching coach or a bench coach who really hasn't done it to the extent that Skip had before.
4: Well, and don't forget that Matt Holiday was supposed to be Mm -hmm. your bench coach, too, this season, and you had that go away. I think that Albert having Albert Pujols there, especially what he was able to do for the Cardinals in the second half of the season, but also his presence, that was like having another coach on your staff, essentially. We know how much you work with the players. I got to see mm-hmm. firsthand, it was inc- just the way that Albert was able to scoop up players under his wing, even veteran players, and really knew how to build up all the guys in the room. It was like having another coach on your staff right. that was really huge. So That's another missing piece. I know that Yachty was in and out last season, but we've seen how big of an asset he is to the entire organization from a catching standpoint where he was like another catching coach where you didn't need you know somebody on the staff to address that you had Yadi there and he was teaching guys, so I think that losing those two definitely we're seeing the impact and the ripple effect of that this season.
5: I mean, I I agree that you know Yadi Maddox not being there it definitely weighs heavily, and we talked about that last year. I talked we talked mm-hmm. about that earlier in the season how Yachty was probably the A-student, the A-plus student that did the assignment Mm -hmm. for everybody. He didn't have to – he didn't need group participation. I'll do all of the work. You just show up and I'll tell you what we got, tell you what to do. And whereas Wills Gutierrez is probably not that. We all have to work together to make sure that we're all on the same page. And it hasn't come to fruition this season. Now, can it get better for next year? They don't have the World Baseball Classic hanging over them, so they all should be in spring training, right? preparing ready to roll they don't have to miss two to three weeks where nobody where the starting pitchers aren't there and and aren't working together so we won't have that excuse going into the 2024 season so if it's still bad then as you said earlier coach Venturi says you are either coaching it or you're allowing it somebody has to figure something out
3: yeah and hopefully by 2024 they will Uh, That's Kerry, that's Brooke, I'm Randy. Coming up with our Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN.
2: You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
1: It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset.
2: Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf.
3: Cardinals lose 4-1 to the Padres last night at the ballpark. Second game of the series is going to be this evening at Busch Stadium. And the Cardinals will have their left-hander, Zach Thompson, going against Seth Lugo, who's 5-6 with a 3.70 for the Padres this year. Cardinals lose last night in the opener of this four-game series. Uh, kind of disappointing. The Cardinals had their opportunities. As a matter of fact, game was only 2-1 heading into the ninth, but the Cardinals couldn't convert. On a one out, bases loaded situation, and wound up losing the game by a score of two to one. They actually never were ahead in the game, never even tied after Matt Carpenter broke a scoreless tie in the sixth inning. Broken bat, fly ball to right. That's going to get down for the first hit of the game, first run of the game. On his way to third. And the throw, caught and tagged. What a play! Walker throws out Bogarts, but Tati scores carpenter with his second hit gives san diego a one nothing lead and it's not like marp is tearing the world up he's hitting only 177 his ops is just over 600 but had that big hit last night that made it one nothing the padres scoring another in the seventh the cardinals scored one in the bottom of the eighth and then san diego with two in the ninth to win it by a score of four to one adam wainwright with a nice outing those six innings he allowed one run on eight hits struck out one and walked Three. So he gave the Cardinals a quality start, but not enough for our Redbirds, who fall 20 games under 500 low Low-water mark since 1995.
4: 1995 and you discussed earlier in the show in that first segment what all was going on in 1995 and so when you hear what was happening during that season it's like oh well it kind of makes sense that things were scuffling a little bit there was a lot going on behind the scenes with this it's just perplexing how we have gotten to this point and I know that after the trade deadline you moved Jordan Walker not Jordan Walker sorry Jordan Montgomery Jack Flaherty I still can't come to terms with that because Brennan Donovan and Lars Newbar are hurt that we're this is the reason that we're seeing this sort of offense. I mean, they've been outscored 26 to 4 in their last 4 games. I told you guys about the stat that John Rooney had about the Cardinals not being able to score via the their only run to not score via home run was Mason Wynn's RBI last week, about a week back. Yeah. You know? I mean, oh, well it's just... <laughs> it's, oh, I, I might as well lean into it Rain at this in. point. Lean yeah. into it. Because you. you gotta have... You find something to laugh about yeah. this season, right? It's just... It's, it's really perplexing how we have gotten to this point. You bring up bases loaded. I I don't know how you figure that out. Is it just winning is going to be the cure-all for this team? Eventually when they win going into next season?
3: (laughs) Yeah, winning does solve everything, but you better find ways to win. By the way, 1995, it's interesting how the two bad seasons parallel because 1995 was the first year the Rams were here in St. Louis, and we were distracted by their training camp. And this year, the first year, we have St. Louis City SC, and we're we're distracted by... the the greatness of St. Louis City SC in their first year. So we have something to kind of help us look away from the the dismay (laughs) that the Cardinals deliver on a regular basis.
5: Look away, (laughs) don't Don't look. Don't look, don't peek behind the curtain. No. Nothing's over here. Nothing's going on over here. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing, It's nothing uh, to worry about.
3: It's pretty rugged. And by the way, if the Cardinals do finish with their current winning percentage, and uh, what, what did we have it at? 424, I think. Something like that. It was really bad. It's
5: 424. 424.
3: Right this would be their lowest season winning percentage since 1924. Since the early 1900s.
4: That's not
5: great.
3: <laughs> no.
4: No. <laughs> it's not good. It's not
5: good. It's really yeah.
3: bad. So, Another uh, Great Depression. Yeah. Oh, right? man. So, oh. And you know what? It's, it's amazing because you look right now. And we've done the schedule thing already, but I will do it for those that have not heard. This is alarming. Cardinals play the Pirates in the first three games of September. After that, three at Atlanta, three at Cincinnati, and they'll st- still be battling for a playoff spot, three at Baltimore, best team in the American League, three against Philadelphia here, top um, National League wildcard team, uh, four against the Brewers here, National League Central leaders who have won nine in a row now. They go to San Diego. And then they've got three at Milwaukee and three against the Reds here. It does not look like a promising September the way the Cardinals are going and the way those teams that I just listed are going.
5: No. Do you, I mean, winning a series out of those sweeping, I don't know that that happens, but winning a series It'll out of those, what is that, eight, eight, nine series left? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Winning, winning, winning uh, maybe, two maybe, out of three. Maybe you win the Pirates series this coming weekend here. Did we, did we just play the Pirates? Yeah. How'd that
3: go? Not great. But that at least it was in great. Pittsburgh.
4: <laughs> and we're great but you gave home. that record of their home and away okay. schedule. So, They're uh, keeping things pretty so even consistent, there. Yeah, the Cardinals
3: <laughs> now 28-38 at home, 28-38 on the road. And if you weren't listening earlier, a little, uh, well... So what you want in baseball is consistency. Like you want Stan Musial, eighteen hundred sixty-five hits at home, eighteen hundred sixty-five hits on the road. Cardinals twenty and, 8 and thirty-eight on the road, twenty-eight and thirty-eight at home. This Cardinal
5: team is just like Stan the man.
4: Oh no, that's I don't, no. I don't, I don't
5: think I don't think that that's okay. No, no, nah. Randy. They've won two games of the out of their last twelve.
4: That's that's <laughs> not getting gooder CD. Not, I thought we were getting gooder. And that's isn't so, that the motto this season. Uh, Two
5: out of the last 12. 2 and 10.
4: It's not it's, it's not ideal. That's that's a game a week. Um yeah. <laughs> uh,
3: Stan the Man by the way, it's born true. November 21st of 1920. Okay? He was four. Stan the Man was four. When the Cardinals last had a season as bad as this one.
4: Wow. Uh,
3: Sam Musial started his career in 1941. He you know, ended his career in 1963. He never witnessed something like I, this. I gotta they, be honest. Stan the man died in 2013. Mm. And he never, a decade ago. And he never witnessed something like
5: I, this. I, I gotta be honest. There, there is a level of stress associated with losing Mm -hmm. like this it it is a um for the players for the players well no for the players and the and the coaches the manager Mm -hmm. it's the level of stress like losing impacts your your quality of life Mm -hmm, definitely it 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 really can impact how you go about your day-to-day business and you 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 start to let doubt creep in when you are playing this poorly and the doubt that they have right now is, is probably so strong that they feel like nothing is going to break their way. Mm-hmm. That's why you get bases loaded with less than two outs and nobody scores. That's why you get uh, <clears throat> two runners on uh, in the top of the ninth and two of your best players come up and they don't get a hit and no one scores. That's the doubt is right there present in front of them. And not and it's taking a hold of this team and it's not allowing them to have success. And they are, they are scuffling both on the field and mentally because it, it's the only way to get out of it is to find a way to win a game. And and when you have doubt, the way that I believe that they do right now, the way that they are uh, I'm sure there's a lot of frustration and depression and, and just anger going on in that clubhouse. Not amongst each other, but just with themselves as a whole.
4: Get you a phone guy. One. So then follow-up question to that, having, you know, obviously played with so many different teams, have you been in that situation before, and what was the fix of getting out of that? Was it just eventually <laughs> – You see what shirt yeah. I got on? Yeah, You all, can you all see
3: Illinois, football. Yeah, yeah. yeah, There we go.
4: University, the fighting Illini. The fighting, we ain't
5: have in 2000, 2003, uh, we didn't have much fight Mm-hmm. We were just the Illini. We went one and ten. <laughs> Dropped the fight yeah, out of that one. The <laughs> Illinois Illini. We, we, we didn't have much fight in us. And yeah. so that season, our our win that season was the second game of the year. So you we lost nine in a row. And when I tell you that that is uh, that's hard living, <laughs> there ain't no – there is no uh, –
8: there's no recipe. No pizza parties?
5: Yeah, no. Nah. It, it was so bad. We lost to, I want to say Iowa, which had to make us like 1-7, 1-8. and And Coach Turner, we normally practiced on, so Saturday you play. Sunday you would come in, watch film or whatever. Tuesday would, no, uh, Monday would be off. Tuesday you'd get back to work. He just said, I, I'll see y'all Tuesday. Like, don't, don't worry about it. Like, yeah. <laughs> Don't, don't even come in. Wow. I'll see you Tuesday. It was like a victory Monday in the NFL, <laughs> but it was a it was a losing to Monday losing. So don't just, even bother. Don't even bother. Like just take. We we're not gonna watch this film. We're not going to, to to lift or work out. You guys need a break, and so do I. And so, that was a bad season, man. It's it's
4: tough. And so, was there anything that changed? just no. it just took some winning.
5: It just took the next season to hit. <laughs> Some time off. Time and off. Then see you next year. It? I was gone. Yeah. I graduated. So good good luck to you guys. My <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's
3: the
2: rush hour reset.
5: Mike
3: Claymore next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive
2: podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: Carrie Davis, Randy Carriker, we go to the celebrity line. Mike Claiborne, Claibs Online, joins us. The Mizzou football season set to get underway on Thursday night, and I know that they always have a great feature on Claibs Online with the Mizzou analyst Howard Richards. Claibs, good morning. How are you doing?
9: I'm doing well. Doing well. 31, 30, 30 to go. we 29, one of the
3: two. I, I, I made it a point to start us off with college football. <laughs> okay,
9: I'll, I'll go with college football for this week. <laughs> So, Here's a question for everybody. With the way the portal has worked and the way the NIL has worked, how can anybody rank a team at the beginning of the year? It's crazy, isn't it? And go with the changeover in rosters. How can you rank somebody?
3: You cannot. You cannot rank somebody. And the only thing that you know for sure is that Texas and Alabama are going to be great. Uh, but we don't know anybody. We, we Yeah. And with the way that you have to build chemistry in such a quick period of time now, it is kind of, well, not kind of, it is a crapshoot when you're trying to pick out who's going to be the best team in college football.
9: Yeah. So when I hear people say, Oh, number three rank, who knows state's going to take on who guess who, I mean, who, how do you know? I mean, so I, I was just kind of scratching my head about that the other day on how can I actually listen to somebody start off talking to me about uh, a wank team? It, it makes no sense whatsoever because everyone's faces changed. Now, the rich got richer. There's no doubt about that. But I think that there are some other teams that, you know, that we may expect to be good that may not be good because maybe they didn't do as good in the portal as other teams
5: did. I think it's a safe bet to think that Georgia is going to be good. Two-time yeah, national was, champs. You know what, Jay? I, I
9: think Georgia's going to be playing on a holiday. Yeah, hey. I, I think I they think are Alabama's pretty good. going to be playing. And, and you know, the, 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 the traditional teams, they, they're not going to hurt. Okay? Right. They're not going to hurt. Uh, but those teams are, like, right on the cusp. You know, for instance, like a team like Cincinnati, who had a couple of good years recently. You know what, what? What do they look like? You know what? What do the ACC teams look like? And, and you know basically, you know what's the Big Twelve look like? So you know you have all that going on, and you know everybody's got some sort of ranking. You know he's our Bugger top one hundred player or whatever. You know well who's ranking? Them? How do you know who these guys are? What what's your basis on how you rank players? And, and those are all the things that we need to start peeling off page two and page three to get to because there's a whole lot of people who really know very little about what's going on but they call themselves experts
4: it it is very interesting. I bet for Georgia and Alabama that the transfer portal is almost like fantasy football for the rest of us where you're just yeah. getting like to pick the best of the best. I'm yeah. sure that's how it feels. Well, Klaibs, I do want to ask you a little bit about some baseball, but specifically we there got to see yeah. <laughs> <laughs> specifically we got to see Aaron Nola and Blake Snell and I wanted to gather your thoughts on both of those pitchers. What do you think the likelihood of the Cardinals landing one of those guys or both of them?
9: Well, I don't know if you can land both of them. And, and I don't know if it's in the Cardinals' hands. Um, you know, every team has money. And I know people say, well, let's go out and get them because we're the Cardinals and we, we've we got money to spend. That, that may be true. But I think that if you're a pitcher and you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to look at different teams, what are the factors for me? Can they swing the bat? Are they good defensively? Who's their catcher? You know, all those things go into play. And if you look at the Cardinals, yeah, they swing the bat okay. They're going through a little bit of a slump now. Uh, what do you look like defensively? Well, you have gold blubbers at the corners. you got some fledgling guys guys in the outfield. What about your catcher? Well, your catcher struggled early. Is he good enough to create enough confidence that a pitcher can say, you know what, I can throw to this guy? Or is it Andrew Kisner? Or is it Herrera? I mean, you know, I thought Herrera and Kisner made significant improvements. So, there's a lot of intangibles that will go into a free agent uh, if you're going to sign him more than
6: just
10: money,
9: more than just uh, money, I, I, because everybody has money. I, I think we've seen teams that have said, yeah, we're going to spend money. But I think the other, the other thing is this. <laughs> will you see teams say, hey, you know what, instead of that five-, eight-year deal, we'll give you three and an option, and we'll front-load it, so we'll make it worth your a while. Uh, I think that dreaded term opt-out, will pop up in some situations. And if I'm a team, I say, hey, you know what? We'd like an opt-out, too.
6: <laughs> Wouldn't that be yeah. nice? <laughs> yeah.
9: <laughs> I, I think teams have to be more creative in how you structure contracts. Uh, maybe you start rewarding guys with more bonuses on innings pitched compared to wins and losses. You know, because wins, I mean, well, you go five innings, go half the game, and now all of a sudden you're credited with a win because your bullpen's Okay. So, you know, I think I might reward guys more on innings pitch. And now, again, I have to make it juicy. I have to make it feel like this is something, oh, yeah, you know, I think I can do that. So, basically, you're betting on yourself as a performer yeah. compared to just just taking the money and running and, and saying, well, this is what everybody else is doing. Well, you know what, if I can make a few extra million because I can give you 200-plus innings, I think I'd rather take that guy over a guy who can win 15 ball games. Yeah, because the winning aspect of winning ball games is no longer in solely in the hands of the starting pitcher. If you don't have a bullpen, and I think I can speak on behalf of one team, <laughs> uh, if you don't have one, then guess what? You're not going to be successful. And, and if your team now you say to yourself, "Let's build our organization from the back end. Let's go out and find a half a dozen, eight legitimate arms coming out of the bullpen." And I'm going to have four other guys in the minors ready to come up at any beckoning call. And I'm going to tell my, my starters, hey, listen, we have plenty of guys. If you get to the seventh inning, we'll take it from there. But I want, to, I want to make sure that I create an incentive from five through seven, innings five through seven, to make sure this guy is going to be there. Now, I know that the philosophy is, well, you know, we don't want a guy – we don't want him to see the picture after the second time around the batting order. Well, guess what? I don't want that guy. If he hasn't figured out how to make sure he can get guys out to third round, third round, then you know what? That tells me he didn't have a good game plan because he showed them pitches so early that the third time around, they know what you have. Mm-hmm. They Listen – He can't throw a slider today. Let's sit on the fastball. Hey, his change-up is something we can pick up coming out of his hand. Let's sit on this pitch. You know, the good pitchers will will show you just enough where after the second round, you're saying, all right, let me think about what he's got and what he doesn't have. And then all of a sudden, he drops something else on you.
5: Claves, we were talking earlier about uh, this season has been uh, – Oh, tough season to watch, tough games to watch. We were talking about earlier who's more at fault. I mean, is it, for me, we look at the roster from last year, it's essentially the same guys, minus Quintana, minus uh, Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols. This year, you got some of the guys coming back, and then you got added some guys. Is the fault more on the the front office, or is it on the players that are actually playing the game?
9: Well, I I wouldn't wouldn't use the word fault. I, I think, you know, you may have miscalculated and, and, you know, you had enough reasons on why you thought your plan worked, okay? It just didn't. And if you don't think the Cardinals feel that way, look at the San Diego Padres, who spent $100 million more than the Cardinals. They thought they had enough. And it just didn't work. And, you know, I think for us in St. Louis, because we, we haven't seen this very often, we want to pin it on someone. But I think when you look at their track record as far as having success of winning the division and getting out of it, you know, that, that tells you that they, they have a, a legitimate formula that has worked in the past. Now, does that formula continue to work? Well, there could be a real healthy debate on that. I don't think anybody would just say, oh, well, you know, it's just, you know the Cardinal way is always going to work. No, no, it doesn't because other teams adjust according to what talent pool was out there. The talent pool, as we know it, has changed dramatically over the last five years with regard to how the game is taught on the lower level. And that goes back from Little League to Travel Ball to Class A Minors. You know, the analytics that's come into play. Uh, there's a lot of things that have changed. And if you're not one step ahead of the posse, when you get caught, you have to get at the end of the line. And I think that's what we're seeing now.
3: Claves, what do you got going on at ClavesOnline.com?
9: Well, we have Claves uh, J- and Joe today. We normally do it on Monday, but we moved it back to today talk about a lot of things obviously the Cardinals of football season is here uh I got a kick out of the race the Bomarito 500 which I think technically is the most fascinating thing in sports when you watch what these guys do and I sat in a pit crew and you know who those guys are in the pit crew they're ex-football players (laughs) (laughs) I mean there's the there was one team that had four guys that played in the Big Ten uh, so, I mean, you know, I'm fascinated by that. So, we'll get into that a little bit. You mentioned football. I ran into my good friend, Craig Berube, the other night, and we started talking hockey. So, we might get into that a little bit as well. So, there's plenty of stuff to go on, including the Ascension Charity Golf Classic that starts next week. And I can't wait for that. If the weather's as good as it is today uh, for next week, man, we're going to have a great tournament because there's going to be so many good players that we all recognize their names. So. I'm looking forward to that. So we have plenty of stuff to talk about. Dr. Rick and his podcast with Rammer is coming up later this week. A lot with Howard. There we he go. Friday. Here we go. So we have enough on the plate to get it going. And, of course, we have our uh, good Nightingale uh, with Bob Nightingale talking some baseball as these uh, wild card races seem like they're starting to heat up a little bit. So plenty to talk about.
3: Always good to hear your voice, sir. Thank you very much,
9: and we'll talk soon. All right, guys, have a great week, and we'll talk soon. You bet. Mike Claiborne with
3: us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Jesse Rogers told us why the Cubs are better than the Cardinals right now. We also want to hear from you. Text 314 399 9646 314 399. Yo! Or give us a mic drop on the 101 ESPN app. How are you feeling about the Cubs being so much better than the Cardinals right now? It looks like the Cards are the Cubs, and the Cubs are the Cards. It's next on 101 ESPN
1: back to the opening drive podcast on 101 espn
2: presented by dobbs tire and auto centers
10: normally i'd say oh starting pitching it, it actually hasn't necessarily been that usually that's what anchors you and certainly justin Steele, who goes for win number 15 has turned into an a so uh he's been great but behind him it's been a little bit shaky there's been some good some bad so it's it's been a combination of things, as you'd imagine. If it's not starting pitching, it has been a really good offense, mostly because Cody Bellinger anchors it right in the middle, and and it's deeper now that Jamer Candelario has joined them, and now their bullpen has turned to a strength.
3: That's our friend Jesse Rogers of ESPN. Why the Cubs have improved? They've won 18 games over 500 since the 8th of June. The Cardinals have fallen to 20 games under 500 during the season, and that's their lowest mark 20 games under since 1995, which if you aren't aware of it, was a long time ago. Uh, We get a text from 314, I really don't care for uh, that much about the Cubs being better than the Cardinals. However, I will say this, I'm happy for Cubs fans and sad for our ball team and our fans, but it tells me one thing, maybe they're just a little bit more up to speed in Chicago and how to evaluate talent definitely think our boys are under scrutiny and underachieving this year it's hard to wrap my head around how you can win 93 games one season and finish 20 plus games under 500 the next something's not right i just wonder if this team is underachieving
4: if if, if this cardinals team (laughs) is underachieving i think this is something worse than underachieving Uh, If there's a word for that, I mean, maybe somebody can text in and come up with something, because I feel like you're trying to find the word to describe what we've seen with the Cardinals. As a unit, and
3: maybe we should differentiate this from August 1st. Is this team doing any less than you would expect it to do with what they have on hand?
4: No, not exactly. And I I do understand that there was injuries with Brendan Donovan and Lars Newbar. I did expect just probably a tad better than this, especially from the offense. That's the part that I'm having a hard time understanding because you still have Nolan Arenado, You still have Paul Goldschmidt. You still have all these other guys. We've gone down the list of names that we're seeing in the lineup. Um, it, to me, that's been the most shocking. And I know that they're facing some great pitchers, as we mentioned, with Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, and Blake Snell. But I, that's been the most surprising part to me. I mean, 26-4 and four in their last four games, they've been outscored. That's concerning.
5: That is concerning and I think if you if you say since August first do you think that this is underperforming or, or Underachieving? underachieving um, I, I think I agree with Brooke. When you look at the lineup, yes, because they didn't really move anyone from that uh, Paul DeYoung, but you know, that that's mm-hmm. not someone that you thought was, was I mean, I know you called him Honus Wagner, but he, was he really. You know, for a time, Probably I not on yeah, right, okay, here, right now. <laughs> um, no, not, no, not right now. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I think that the lineup has underachieved for whatever reason. I don't, I don't know what the, the rhyme or reason is for that. You, you lost two. I mean, you've won two of your last 12 games. Obviously, the last three were against some really good pitching. But what about those other ones? What about those other nine games that you, you didn't perform particularly well in winning two of them? I, I don't know how you, how you figure this part out. Because if the lineup doesn't hit and the pitchers aren't as stellar as you need. And and last night, I thought Wainwright did a spectacular he job. He did. Did a spectacular yeah. job. And so to not get the help with that, where do you turn? Who do you well, look to? Yeah, And
3: that's one of the things about when you look at the group as a team, when I wonder whether or not they're achieving or underachieving. What cardinal relievers, when they come into the game, do you say to yourself, Oh, this is good. This guy's going to shut it down.
6: Yeah.
4: That's a, that yeah. is a great point. It is.
3: There isn't one. No. There's that one reliever where I don't expect him to give up runs.
4: You had one. Yeah, I, thought,
3: yeah. I thought
5: Hennessey Cabrera was, was that for a little bit. He did a really good job. Yeah. He's not here, though. No. Let's get no. a uh,
3: – uh, but he's pitching well.
5: Uh, <laughs> let's get
3: a mic drop from Corey here on 101 ESPN.
7: Because the Cubs spend money in the offseason and the Cardinals don't this year in the offseason we just signed Contreras and basically said that's
5: it that's our offseason
3: but I think what the Cubs did well they did go out and sign Dansby Swanson in addition to giving Bellinger his money but when I look at the Cubs I'm seeing Nico Horner I am seeing the 18 and a half million that Bellinger got I'm seeing Justin Steele a young performer I'm seeing Alzelay their closer who came from their system I don't think necessarily that it's it's money that is leading the Cubs to so much more success than the Cardinals. And if you go back to their the opening day payroll, Cardinals and Cubs were pretty close. I don't know where they are now. I'll try to find it. But uh, it it doesn't seem to me that the Cubs have really, aside from the Swanson contract, who else have they given a ton of money to?
4: I, I don't, Marcus Stroman, I guess, yeah, but he's not Mark, even pitching right now. Yeah. And then you mentioned the Cody Bellinger thing, too. And I, I don't know. I mean, that's where it's very confusing with what you're seeing. And I think maybe keeping Cody Bellinger around and he's hit his stride hitting wise. Maybe that's something that has helped the Cubs with their second half of the season, you know jesse mention offense as being a big part of it and i know that winning we've we've discussed this today winning is typically the cure-all for things but seeing this group right now somebody from the 636 texted this in the players are complacent we were before the trade deadline and definitely are now minus a few players this team has a losing mentality and three starting pitchers is not going to fix it that's my question: Is is if you do get the pitchers, is this enough to really turn around this group? They're very winning. Sharp. Yeah, is winning the cure all essentially?
5: The the issue. I mean, losing. I'm telling you, when you are, are a losing team, you find ways to lose games. It just happens. It's not. There's no way to even explain it. You 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 start losing. You continue to lose, and you find ways to lose games. Same mm-hmm. thing goes for winning. When you are winning you find ways to win games and so i i don't know that they have a loser mentality they're just a losing team right now yep.
3: by the way uh opening day of the season the cubs had the 12th highest payroll at 184 million and the cardinals had the 15th highest payroll at 175 so a 9 million dollar difference is kind of negligible in baseball in 2023 well, let's get one more mic drop this is brooks on 101 ESPN
0: Well, I'm not feeling too good about the Cubs being better
6: than the Cardinals right now, and I'll tell you why. Back in May, when the Cubs had a better record than the Cardinals, I made a bet with a friend of mine who happens to be a Cubs fan, and I told him the Cardinals would finish the season with a better record than the Cubs, and if not, I owed him a fancy steak dinner. So yeah, I'm not feeling too good about it right now, and I'm not sure who to send the bill for that dinner to. Is it Mo? Is it DeWitt? Is it the players? Is it Ollie? don't even know at this
3: point. But, yeah, I think overall the Cubs have just done a better job of addressing their needs in the Cardinals. Yeah, send it to DeWitt. Send See it to, how that DeWitt works. to Let me third. know how that works
5: out for you. Yeah, <laughs> and Brooks,
3: I'm, I'm sorry about that bet because I would have made the same bet in May if I were you. But I uh, think
5: many people when would have. You have. not made the bet? At what point would you have said, yeah, no way? Was Started it London?
4: blocking his phone. Yeah, London probably. London was it for you. <laughs>
3: yeah, that was... That, that was Waterloo. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of a bummer that uh, the, the Cubs were expected to finish well behind the Cardinals. People thought, oh, yeah, the Cubs will have a nice season if they finish five hundred, but the Cardinals are going to win the division. We, everybody said that before the season started, but it hadn't turned out that way. So congratulations to the Cubs and their fans. And, yeah, it's kind of a bummer for, for us. Coming up, we've got rock and roll as we head down the stretch on this edition of the opening drive on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
1: Back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN,
2: presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: Let's rock! Let's rock today. Okay, so here is what we're going to do here in the Opening Drive. We're going to unofficially join the uh, the Fast Lane Pick'em Challenge you can join at 101espn.com and we do it anyway. I mean, we participate, but this year as a team, we're going to because we can and we do, we're going to beat the Fast Lane and the Riz Show. You make your football picks each week and see if you can defeat the Fast Lane and the dudes from the Riz Show. Fast Lane and the Riz Show throwing down all football season long in the Pick 'em Challenge. Get signed up to play now at 101espn.com courtesy of Bud Light. And so Matthew and Brooke and Carrie and Randy, we're all going to pick them every week, and we're going to beat those guys and embarrass them.
4: We're going to beat those dudes. Yeah, right? from the Riz Show. Yeah, we are. Those dudes.
3: So yeah, so that's going to be fun. It's going to be. They have no idea what's going to hit them. Uh, they, they the problem is they think they're good. I
6: think uh,
5: we, the
4: Home Run Derby is still a still a sensitive subject. Uh, so is,
8: so
5: frustrated that I could not participate. Yeah, it was an unfortunate turn of Yeah, I
3: think the Riz Show. They were just trying to, uh, well... They made excuses, I will say. (laughs) Yeah, they're trying to save face. Yeah, try it. And there's other cool stuff happening. You think that's just all that's happening at 101 ESPN? No. No. I've got more. What else you got? You can join 101 ESPN and Bud Light for the Blues and Brews on Friday evening, September 22nd, at the Anheuser-Busch Brewery. Get fired up for the blues season at this outdoor street party featuring live music from country music star Chris Lane and local blues musician Marquise Knox, plus appearances by Blues players and alumni, food trucks, Blues merchandise, 101 ESPN giveaways and more. Tickets on sale now. Visit 101ESPN.com for additional event details and to purchase your tickets for Blues and Brews on September 22nd. All right, Matthew, what do you got? Well, you guys were talking earlier about uh, this potentially
7: being the worst Cardinals season since 1924. Mm-hmm. I then had to hit up the Google machine, and I wanted to find out some things about 1924, because okay, I was what like, was wow. On that year? So the last time the Cardinals were potentially this bad, we're going to hit you with some local local facts first of all, by the okay. way. Uh, Powell Symphony Hall, the Fox Theater, and this STL Arena had not yet been built. The Chase Park Plaza, or the uh, Chase, had just been built a year prior to that. Mm. Also, the population in the city of St. Louis was 800,000 cool. people in. Wow. It's now four hundred thousand, and those are all historical buildings. And here's uh some some fun little things: the dollar at the time you could buy five, you could buy ninety five percent more with a dollar than you could right now. The dollar <laughs> has a five percent value of what it had Ooh. back in nineteen twenty four. And here's some other stuff: so sixty cent
3: drinks are not a big deal. <laughs> not a big deal. Back <laughs> back <then. laughs> uh, in fact, you're getting kind of jipped off there. The nineteen twenty
7: four was the first year that a fax was ever sent cr- uh, really? across the ocean. Nineteen twenty four. It was also the year that Mercedes Benz was founded. That okay. MGM. Was founded. Hmm. Here's the thing: it's the year that the Ottoman Empire ended. So you know that was the Ottoman Empire was still a thing. The last mm-hmm. time the Cardinals were this bad of a baseball team. I like and, a, having
3: an Ottoman. It, it helps
7: with my uh, hamstrings. Exactly. Yeah. I, when I wrote that down, I was like, the chances that Randy makes like a furniture joke is a hundred percent. high. And and just before the MLB season had started, the NHL announced their first ever expansion to the United States of America oh, with the Boston awesome. Bruins.
3: Oh, by the way. Prohibition lasted from t- 1920 to <laughs> 1933. So 1924, last time the Cardinals were bad, you couldn't even drink away your song. You yeah, had to go uh, into legally. secrecy. Legally. Yeah.
4: Had to like... <laughs> had to step to a speakeasy. <laughs> to a
5: speakeasy. Yep. <laughs> right. Yeah. Have a certain knot.
3: Yeah. So, uh... Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> Thanks, the, Cardinal. The, Thank the world you. has
7: changed a little bit a since little bit. Uh, since the Cardinals were this bad. He's like, you couldn't even have a drink back then. But no. but you could go to the pharmacy and get cocaine over the counter. So, hey, yeah, okay. six oh, year half changed. of those another. A little bit. I'm, wow. just, I'm just, pointing out, just pointing out things, how it was different. Also, yesterday, uh, Twitter, uh, well, X was all a Twitter, I should say, because there was a new show that debuted between uh, Skip Bayless, Richard Sherman, Keyshawn Johnson, and Michael Irvin. I specifically pulled a clip because Terrell Owens retweeted this, and I was like, well, this convergence of personalities has to be something because at one point... Michael Irvin was explaining the advice that he gave to C.D. Lamb about catching the ball over the middle. Here's what Michael Irvin said. Richard Sherman, not a big fan of it.
1: I told him, I said, listen, man, with all these people around you, learn to catch this ball in your body. Right. So so in your hands, you tighten up, ball goes through you. Or you tighten up, ball that's hits the ground. That's the worst ground. advice so, I've so, ever so, heard so, for now. a receiver. Don't catch it with your hands. Catch
10: it with your body. How do hey, you tell me that's the worst if, advice? If, I'm, I'm just only one of the effect. best to ever do it at playing that what game. What I'm saying I, is, I don't know how you, you can can't
1: Fight
10: with fight. your body and, and not your hands in it championships be. on every level what i'm talking about doing i want championships on every level doing i don't know how you going to stay as bad advice. how is that bad it is oh <laughs> so
5: michael irvin is correct in traffic if you stick your hands out you're probably going to drop it would you you want to catch the mm-hmm. ball you know, you're, you're, he's explaining, Richard Sherman wasn't probably understanding it. Richard Sherman is a cornerback because a cor- he couldn't play wide receiver. And there you go. Yeah. Probably because he couldn't catch the ball yeah, in traffic. Yeah, or exactly. So, therefore, <laughs> Michael Irvin has done it at the highest level, is a Hall of Famer doing it, and he is correct. Yeah. And he asked him, how are you going to tell me? You know who Sounds I am. Sounds like a great show. Hey, you know what? As long, I, as, long as I'm not here hearing Skip Bayless, he I'm probably, good. I mean, Skip <laughs> might become the moderator. He yeah. might just lead into the topics and let them three go. Right, yeah. That was... That was intriguing. That that,
7: so interesting. And Terrell Owens' response to that was, every receiver coach and head coach is cringing right now listening to this notion for receivers to catch it with your body. In some cases, yes, but this is bad advice. This is terrible advice. And I have more TDs than Key and Mike combined. That was Terrell Owens on X slash Twitter yesterday.
4: Wow. Oh, my God. So is he he going to be on the show next?
7: hashtag Team Sherman on this one.
4: I think
5: that when you are about to be hit, you're trying to catch it with your hand. If you can, if you can get your body, and he—I don't think he means like chest, because it could bounce off your chest. But a situation where you can cradle it and make sure you're. Uh Protecting yourself from getting knocked out as well, but it's also different. You in 2023, you can go and catch it you with your hands, and nobody's well, gonna even
6: hit you. I <laughs> will tell
3: you this: it's uh, I don't know what Terrell Owens was trying to do when he was trying to go against Aeneas Williams, but it didn't look like his arms were very long.
6: <laughs>
5: you, uh, you talk, you, you talk well, yeah. about
3: shut down city, Aeneas oh, yeah. Williams. Whenever he played against Terrell Owens, Terrell Owens had a bad game.
7: Also, I'm pretty sure like the the, the like the catching traffic that Terrell Owens is most famous for. He catches it, like, he against with his shoulder yep, with his body. Yep, yep. The one over the middle yep, when he's yep. a 49er, he Bay, right? gets crumpled. Yes. I mean, he catches that against his shoulder. And it's the only because reason he holds on to it. it's the, the only
5: way you can exactly. catch it when someone is bearing no. down owens, on you. Go watch your own highlight reel. I know
3: you've done that before, Terrell. Just do it one more time and see that catch. It's a little different when you're T.O. or Randy Moss, though, and everything is just out in front of you and you just, you go know, get you it. just run a post. easy. Yeah, it easy. It is. we've got a balloon party coming up with T. Mac and Ajax here on 101 one. Damn. What were those guys thinking when they were drafting last night? Maybe they'll tell us. I didn't I see
5: know. it. I wasn't paying attention to their draft. It's like having
3: the football Cardinals in your league. Oh.
5: <laughs> they were a little slow oh. on the
7: 2QB roll.
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah, the 2QB thing was interesting. Also, I didn't realize I was in the room with my enemy today. Yeah, she
7: didn't realize I was the one who oh. drafted Derrick I didn't, Henry. Because
4: I, oh. I didn't see who was the person that drafted gotcha. Derrick Henry because you were talking about earlier how close we were, or how close yeah. I was to I getting put, Derrick Henry. I, I, I put on the message, I said,
3: here goes Derrick Henry. And he Brooke. is
4: he was queued up, and then all of a sudden, somebody over here mm. took him. You oh, will never Matthew. appreciate him like I will. Henry Hen-
7: and Eckler are just going to take my running backs right to the championship. Mm. Baby. Let's see how right. that
6: Good luck with that. It's, it's a different league
3: now. We got two quarterbacks, Maybe yeah. yeah. Who are your two quarterbacks? I don't want to talk
6: about my second quarterback. Yeah, who's your quarterback? The quarterbacks
7: are uh, Sam Howell and you took my Sam quarterback. Howell? I was about to take Tua, and then you took him right before I did. I, I was um, waiting uh, on Tua. And then who's my starter? Oh, Kirk Cousins. God
3: dang. Oh, when, it. when do I get to play you?
7: I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Do I lucky <laughs> you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, T-Mac and Ajax are coming up, followed by BKM Ferrario from... 11 to 2, and then from 2 to 6, you've got the fast lane with Anthony Stalter and Jamie Rivers. We appreciate you tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. I, should, I suppose I should say, Brooke, wasn't this fun? How this about fun. that?
8: How about, How about that? How uh,
3: about that? CD. Say
5: it your face. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face?
3: Okay, now we thank you for tuning in, texting, <laughs> and being a part of the show. Have a wonderful—enjoy this weather. Get outside, do something. Uh, and for all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great tasting, Louis. That's right.
1: You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN
6: and ESPN.com.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.